think there's going to be a lot of singing in this week's bloody episode, mate. It's a little bit of singing? Quite an, an anthemic. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, loads yeah, of big tunes. Definitely. All over the gaff. Yeah, absolutely. Start with one now, is it? Uh, yeah, we can Start do. Start making a song up? Uh, making a song up? Just make a song up. Bieber Steve. Bieber Steve. Renfrey and I in my living room. <laughs> Press record on my mics and zoom. <laughs> Have good. a couple of cups of tea. <clears throat> Actually, Renfrey's drinking coffee. Oh, wow. There are many albums <laughs> who the two of us need to review. <laughs> We're both fans of alternative art. Episode 62 of Riot Act can start. <laughs> Don't tell me you came up with that off the top of your noggin. I did. Well, yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm like Eminem, but <laughs> with pop music. <laughs> that um, was supreme talent. I just saw that. <laughs> Hello, I'm John Feldman. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to Riot Act. <laughs> uh, my name's Stephen Hill. That's Renfrey Deadman. Oh yeah. I did actually make that up with my that, No, no, I do believe you. I, I, I saw just... the, the coffee and the tea, and I thought, <clears> oh yeah. And that's oh, very good. Like I should go on Sonic Exploder and uh, <laughs> tell everyone how I made this. Um, this is episode sixty-two of Right Act. That's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. Um, this week on the show, we are going to be reviewing new albums from the Menzingers. The number twelve looks like you, Renounced, and Body Hound. Plus, we're going to be stretching the boundaries of what punk rock is in Trade Off as we talk about the. Um, the emo titans, the kings of emo, taking off their crown and throwing it on the floor in disgust. Sunny day real estate and also the lunatic fringe of wacky hardcore from Death by Stereo. I thought, um, I thought you meant we were going to be taking off their crown. I don't no, think, they I don't think we are. take off their mm, crown. They kind of mm, did. No, I don't yeah. want that. Um, and we'll be talking about Euroblast. Which I am looking forward to. There's quite a lot of live reviews coming up this week, but that one in oh particular, God. I am very intrigued by this room. Oh my God. Um, before we do that, we want to say a big thanks as ever to our friends at Musicism who provide us with all this equipment you can see here. If you're on the YouTube channel, apart from my pictures there, that's my personal stuff. And um, you can go over to musicism.net if you want to become a better vocalist or guitarist or producer. And you can sign up for $9.99 a month. You can sign up to get courses which will help improve your skills. And uh, thank you, Bonjour, for that interjection. Thanks, uh, she's just saying correct. Uh, in cat. Look, straight away, do you know what? She's not come anywhere near me all day. since I've been home. And mm. then the second we start recording, she's up here like a little fruit. Aren't you boggies? Maybe there's something in the Zoom that when we press record. She loves the Zoom. She loves the Zoom. Bloody loves the Zoom. Come here. Oh, look how cute she is. you got to get on the old YouTube. Look at that cute head. Look at it. I mean, she's fine. Look how cute she is. Um, anyway, yeah. Go into the checkout and put Riot in capital letters in the checkout. This is musicism, by the way, not for Bonjour. And, uh, you can't buy Bonjour. You can't buy Bonjour. <laughs> she is a priceless thing. And uh, you get 25% off. So thanks, guys. We appreciate that as ever. Um, do you want to... Chat about the Patreon stuff or the merch or anything. Because Patreon, not we have really merch. done anything. Have Can we? you so. give us some uh, reviews, please? Um, we are, uh, we are. Be- it's kind of. I mean, I. It was my fault that we didn't do anything this week because I farted off to Cologne uh, yeah. for Euroblast. Uh, do we have an excuse this week? 
I'm going I, to a lot I, of gigs this week. I really just life is catching up with me quite a lot. Mm, mm. It is that uh, it's time. Like it's like it's quite a busy time of year, so that's all. Which is a shit excuse, really. But it, well, yeah. it is a bonkers time of year to um, be honest. It's just I mean, been we, mad albums, and next week's going to be mad as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, probably won't be mad. next week. We yeah. are still catching up on. I mean, the three of the albums that we were reviewing this week are from a, a week, two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's just a mad, mad time. Please bear with us. We're getting there. Hmm. End of <laughs> bad time. Sorry, uh, yeah. I sorry, I had a sip of tea. No, no, no. Um, <clears throat> the aforementioned cup of tea. Mm. Uh, mm. We just want to say very, very quickly, get well soon to Will mm. from Black Peaks. Black Peaks, unfortunately, you know, it was one of the gigs that I was looking forward to going to see uh, was Black Peaks, um, who should be currently on a UK tour. Um, uh, yeah, European when this tour. goes out. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and unfortunately. Will, many of you will know, has been not very well. And um, he's had to cancel the tour. Uh, and, well, he's... The band have cancelled the tour because, you know, I think they did a gig in Brighton and Matt from Haggard Cat, another mate of ours, came and yeah. stood in on vocals, which is great. But obviously Black Peaks can't continue to do that. So um, get well soon, Will. I'm, you know, I Will's like... I, I'm, not often that we go, they're our mate in that band, but like Will called me and... Yeah. was talking to me about stuff and he's really you know i'm a bit i'm we're, we're worried about him we you know i was speaking to him just over a week ago and and he seems really good so it's just one of these yeah. horrible things where one moment it seems all fine and then the next it's clearly not so um mm. and i would say as well i mean i don't want to like push anyone to do this but if you are a black peaks fan and you want to help them out at this point Buying them a little bit of merch, uh, buying a little bit of their merch or something like that is probably going to help tide them over because mm. I imagine that they might, you know, they'll lose a lot of money from not having to do these dates and stuff like that. So if you do feel like you want like a Black Beaks tea or something like that, now would probably be a good time to get it if you fancy it. So, you know, just. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, we just want Will to be all right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, the most important thing. So I hope he's. You know, it might be a while before we see Black Peaks again. We don't know, like we genuinely don't know. But um Will, mate, hope you hope you're alright. Yep. Live reviews. Let's just go straight into it, shall we? Live reviews. Renfrey, mm. you went to Germany. I went to Germany, yeah. Beautiful Germany. I went yeah. to uh, <laughs> went to beautiful Cologne. Mm. Uh which is lovely. It's very, very nice. Have you been to Cologne? I haven't. I've been to Munich. Munich's all right. Which is the only place in Germany I have been to. You're shitting me. I'm not. No, why would I shit you? I just, we often get quite a lot of opportunities to go to Germany because because metal in Germany is massive. Like, debatably, it's bigger in Germany than anywhere else in the world, I would argue. Probably like Scandinavian countries. There's a few Scandinavian countries, I think. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. But it's certainly like, it seems to be really accepted in quite a mainstream sort mm -hmm. of way yep. in Germany, which is very, very cool. So we get to go out there quite a bit. And Euroblast is considered um, a very prestigious festival in the tech metal scene. Yep. Uh, I suppose it's fair to say. I'm going to do, basically, I'm going to do a really brief review um, for cool. a couple of reasons, mainly because, um, truthfully, a lot of the lineup is... Uh, backing tracked core core which um i'm not going to be very nice to mm. and i can't really be asked to not be nice to it here and we've got a lot of other things to talk about frankly but there's also um one performance in particular which i'm going to speak about at length 
Um, so just super, super briefly, I'm just going to go through a few highlights. So Between the Buried and Me played two sets. Great. Um, and it was like across their entire uh, discography. So they played a little bit of practically everything. Oh, I like Between the Buried and Me. Oh, they, they were, they're just, uh, I mean, how do you describe? One of those bands that I don't think about that much, but when I listen to them or when they just pop up, hello, on Spotify or whatever, mm. I go, oh, mm. Definitely. We're great. I mean, I will Alaska say... Colours, that covers album's great. The I, Parallax one's so good. I will say they are um, they are playing this these sets in the UK. Yeah, they are. It will be next week when this goes out. So... Um, I'm, go- I'm actually... I'm going to that. You should so, go. You right, should I definitely go. And maybe we'll do it more in depth then because mm-hmm. then we can both cover it. Because basically... They were fantastic, mm. faultless to a T. We'll go through it properly then, but yep. they were brilliant. So they headlined the Saturday night. Carbomb, hello. Lovely yeah. fucking Carbomb. Can't wait to see them with that, those new songs. Oh, they were brilliant. I, I mean, my only complaint, it was kind of their album release show, but my only complaint is they only played four songs from it. I was having a little chin wag with Greg um, before the show, and I asked him how many songs they were going to play, and he was like, four. I was like, sort yourself out. I wanted, ah. them, I wanted them to do like the majority of the new record. Um that said, it was still fantastic. They played like 75 minutes. I've never seen Carbomb play that long. And 75 minutes of Carbomb is like, whoa, I feel a bit sick. Yeah. Um, it was the last band of the last day as well. Um, and it might have helped that. Uh, I think one of the reasons Euroblast is often um, championed as a great festival by press is uh, press get free beer and free food. Uh, oh, they tell you what, they <laughs> fucking look after you out there, mate. They really do, they actually. They really do. It's no myth. Mm. It's not a myth. No, they really do. Go to um, download bottles of water and a couple of Kit Kats, which I yeah. know I'm very grateful for. I don't deserve anything. Really. <laughs> but, uh, I deserve free beer every day. Uh, but, I think. But we go to. I mean, I went to a play. I went to Metal Mountain in Austria, which is put on by the guys in who do Varken. And right. I had this amazing hotel room. Yeah. And they were just like, "Yeah, go down to the catering and get whatever you want." And the catering was fucking ridiculous. Mm. It's like silver service shit. Yeah, yeah. Fucking mad. Yeah, the festival looked after me very much. The hostel, not so much, but that's another story. Um, But uh, yes, um, Carbon were absolute, just just frenetically fantastic and amazing. Ties from Nebula, I wanted to mention really quickly. Um, It just felt like after seeing a lot of really techy, techy, heavy stuff with, let's face it, a lot of backing tracks, it was so nice. Being his bonnet about backing tracks. (laughs) Just a bit. (laughs) Uh, Especially after this weekend. Fuck me. Um, But it was really nice to see a band who were playing live for starters um you know so there's three members of um ties from nebula and um the bassist and the guitarist are also playing synths at the same time as playing bass and guitar and they're basically just looping everything just to make it big and cinematic they bring their own light show which is very simplistic but works really really well um i believe the day this goes out they're actually playing the underworld and seeing them at the underworld will be fucking amazing i'm yeah i would strongly recommend going I would strongly recommend going. It was really... Do you know what? I like tech metal, right? Mm -hmm. But after seeing so much of it, it was really nice to see something that felt a little bit more human and a little bit more cinematic. Didn't it, tech metal? I mean, I saw Uneven Structure a couple of weeks back. Yeah, they played... Presumably, did you see Uneven Structure? Mm, Bits of. I thought they were pretty good. You did want to talk about them, actually. Do you want to talk about them now? Yeah. You can do well. I I think they're I think they're pretty good, but I think yeah, you, right. you the thing with this stuff is I think you get a really good singer, 
and it makes a massive difference. That yeah. can be the difference between you being good. Makes a difference if you get a really bad singer as well, so I'm we're going to sure talk about C. Um, <laughs> if you get a really, really good singer, yeah. I think a band who just sound like most... I mean, look, like someone like Dan from Tesseract, mm-hmm. right? Now, not to say that Tesseract don't write really good music, or anything, I think as, as they've evolved, um, but Tesseract have always had really, really catchy vocal lines, really like interesting use of melody and it's something which has i think is one of the main reasons that's meant they've stood up in the pack and i kind of i went to see uh uneven structure and i'd listened to them on record and i was like yeah you know like it's sort of pretty good like i i think i've got a higher tolerance to that stuff than you i think you do yeah um and there's a few of those bands that i like you know who probably people don't usually talk about at all um uh, at all I mean, at all, sorry. At sorry, all, sorry. yeah. Um, uh, that I still would listen to occasionally. Um, and, um, and But I didn't really expect to be that impressed by uh, Uneven Structure. And I was. Because oh, cool. I thought their singer was just had a great presence. And they, they kind of... And this almost doesn't sound like a particularly... It sort of reminded me of like a tech metal version of Soil Work. And after we were kind of ho-hum about the last Soil Work album and the last maybe seven Soil Work albums, uh, <laughs> that maybe doesn't sound like a particularly big compliment. But actually, you know, like Soil Work, when they're good, they're a really very good metal band, you know? And they, yeah. yeah. And so they wouldn't be in my top tier, but that's kind of how I feel about Uneven Structure as well. Fair. Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned James from Tesseract. Uh, you mentioned Tesseract, I apologise. Yeah. Because I was uh, I saw James at Euroblast and he was having a lovely time. Was he? Uh, he was... He enjoys his life, James. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I think it's okay to say, but I had, he'd imbibed a few beers. Uh, <laughs> and he was having a lovely, lovely time. Mm. We went down to see Wheel together. You know about Wheel? Yeah, they're the UK's answer to tool. Right? Absolutely, they are. Um, although they're actually Finnish, although the lead singer is from the UK. Right. I believe. Anyway, lots of, um, this has been said before, this is not my quote, but lots of undertow era tool. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. And in terms of like um, how mm, tooly they are, I mean, uh, the, the, the influence is undoubtedly there, mm. but. Good live, fuck it. Like live, <clears throat> particularly the record's good, mm. but live, like that. Dr- the, I think the tallisms come from the drums, but mainly, plus the guitar, plus the vocals, yes. maybe the bass as well. Um, but <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, being a, a three-piece as well, totally their own thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we all were really impressive, and one of the most um, one of the most packed second stage uh, bands of the festival by quite a long way. Um, and uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed Wheel. I'd like to see them again. Are you okay? I've got an itchy back. Oh, we can stop if you'd like. <sighs> no, <laughs> I'll just deal with it. All right, fine. Um, hardcore, you are. Um, I scratched I'm- my back with your pen. If you'd like. Because it's a place where I, I better get it back, you know, it back. as it was. I'll, I'll mention one more band before I go into the absolute shitstorm. Um, the Hirsch Effect. Are you aware of the Hirsch Effect? I know, I know the name. Hirsch Effect are one of these bands. They're from Germany. Um, and they are um, they seemingly really massive in um, mainland Europe uh, on the continent. And um, not very big here. And watching them, 
Yeah. Okay, that looks okay. My my pen's fine. Don't got it. Like I can't. I don't want people to see me like fucking chubby twats trying to scratch his back <laughs> while you're talking. So please, we could just we could just not, put some Vaseline like, on the lens for that you, bit. Can you just like pixelate me out? While I was sure. Doing that? Yeah. Well, we'll go to the effort of doing that. Mm. Um, the Hirsch effect. I have no idea why they're not big in this country. Um, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Three piece who just seemingly do a little bit of tech, a little bit of like post-hardcore, a little bit of everything, really. A little bit of Monica in my life. life. A little bit of number five. Brilliant impression of the Hirsch effect there. Um, They just, like, there were times when it was really chaotic, kind of odd post-hardcore stuff. There there were times when it was like 14-minute long proggy songs. There was one point at the end where they got an acoustic guitar out and a fucking cello. Bloody hell. <laughs> Bloody hell. Really um it. yeah, and they were they were big enough to headline um the Friday night. So they okay. were between the buried and me and carbon level in Europe. Here though, I mean I was talking to people who were saying that recently they'd seen them at the Unicorn in Camden. And the Unicorn, for those who don't know, well it's a pub, isn't it? It's a pub. So, you know, and I was bl- I was Really blown away by the Hirsch effect. I thought they were fantastic. So Great. just a little tip for you if you are unaware. Um, the Hirsch effect are fucking excellent. Good. However, the <laughs> talk of the entire festival, of the Sunday, certainly, was the harp machine. Now, the harp machine... Um, were, were people harping on about it? <laughs> hey! Very good. Thanks. Oh, I've had to write notes on this because, uh, my goodness, there's a lot to talk about. Um, So, um, really, this requires a fair bit of background context. So, forgive me for a moment whilst I go through all this, but I do think it's important. So, in January 2013, Heavy Blog is Heavy reported the disillusion of the heart machine with a headline that got straight to the heart of the matter, reading... Everyone who isn't Al Moomin quits the heart machine. Mm. Um, And this was just a year after they released their debut and currently only full-length album Disclosure. So Al Moomin is the only member of the band left in the heart machine. And since they've been a band, I think they started around 2008, I want to say. Um, It has basically been Al Moomin since... 2013 and there's been a number of different lineups since then and it's been quite confusing as to what's been happening with this band for quite a long time yeah for fans of the band they've been a little bit like what's going on with it's a bit of an enigma i suppose um at the time when the original band basically all left um uh, the vocalist um Mike Semsky commented at the time, due to irreconcilable personal differences with our guitarist Al Moomin, the three of us, Alex, Ollie and I, have decided to part ways with the heart machine. This was in no way an easy decision to make, but the three of us feel that it is in our best interest to pursue other musical endeavours at that time, at this time. And Al Moomin responded in riposte, my qualms with my former bandmates have very little to do with my alleged dangerous nature and more to do with musical direction. Yes, whilst I concede to my ardent detractors that I'm not the tightest of all players live, I should add the songs on the album are quite difficult to pull off in a live context. <laughs> what? And I would honestly prefer a little support and positivity amongst my metal, in quotes, brethren. I wish you all a good day. Evidently, my day has been ruined by this loss, but I wish not for myself not to but I wish not for myself not to wallow in self-doubt and sorrow. Hold on. So you're saying don't I've written some songs and we've recorded them, but I can't really play them 
But hey, come on. Well, um, what's funny about that is he wasn't even responding. That So allegations had come out that Moomin was unable to play his own songs and that he recorded the songs on their debut record Disclosure at half speed and then sped them up. Now, the fact that he was replying to a uh, uh, comment that didn't even mention that and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I'm not the best guitar player in the world. He was just responding to a comment which was saying, yeah, we just can't be bothered being in a band with him anymore. It is a little bit like... You know, and the, the, <laughs> we didn't burn them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, of course, those are all rumours and so on and so forth. But do you know who produced the Heart Machines debut album, Steve? It wasn't Steve Albini, was it? No, it was Al Moomin. So, um, yeah. Um, so no one's going to get to the bottom of whether those um, tracks were recorded at half speed or not. But mm-hmm. considering he's not um, strongly denying it. Because frankly, if I had if if I had recorded them at normal speed and people were accusing me of not, I'd be like, "Fuck you, I did." And here's the proof. Yeah. Um, but the rumors don't stop there. Uh, he allegedly threatened to burn someone's house down after they had a few choice criticisms for him. Uh, goodness knows what he's going to do after he hears this. And my God, I'm going to do everything in my power to get it to him because uh, I really think that he needs to listen to what I have to say about his absolutely hideous <laughs> performance. Say, for the record, this massively like this is <laughs> these these are rumors, by the way. So we don't know this to be 100 percent true. Well, just to be like you know, to be fair, yeah. But we the rumors know this is true. But the well, rumors anyway. the rumors that I have just cited yeah. are rumors that have already surfaced online on re- reputable news sites. Mm. What I will say is I heard a whole bunch of other rumors uh about Moomin on site which I'm not going to repeat here because I can't vouch for their validity. Mm-hmm. But if half of them are true, we are talking about one of the biggest cunt sacks in the whole of the music industry. And you and I have worked with a whole lot of cunt sacks in our time, haven't we? And we are talking top tier cunt sack. Really? Wow. Oh my God. Um, I mean, <laughs> I um, I mean, this isn't the most professional thing for me to have done in the world. But um, I was so intrigued after watching their set. I basically ended up following Al around backstage. Oh my um, God. trying to overhear bits snippets of his conversation um, <laughs> I can vouch that he is a cunt oh my god he's an unbelievable prick mm. so to the set itself um, before the band even started a Euroblast employee who shall remain nameless told me that the band had cancelled their appearance at the festival three times and then <laughs> reinstated them and then gone oh no actually we can play we can play so already they're, you know, leading, being a professional outfit, mm-hmm. right, before they've even started playing. And the band come on and Al announces that he used to play guitar for the band, but now he's going to sing instead. Classic scenario when a guitarist decides that, oh, that's singing, Lark, I can do that. Um, and this was the first time that most people had heard that there was a lineup change. Um, supposedly, uh, the singer of Chokran who were a band who played the day before. Uh, his name is Andrew. They, he was the vocalist. And um, six months earlier, they'd had some sort of spat. And he no longer, which is a, 
uh, a theme that comes up quite a lot. Mm. And uh, he is no longer their vocalist. I had a colleague of mine ask Andrew if he was looking forward to playing with the Heart Machine the next day. And Andrew just went, I'm not playing with the Heart Machine. Um, Incidentally, uh, Andrew from Shockroom was rumoured to be side of the stage the entire time that uh, the Heart Machine were playing which would have been an interesting thing for him to watch. Um, so Moomin had absolutely no charisma or stage presence whatsoever, and he basically proceeded to wail over these songs. And every single note he hit, I would say, was at least a semitone too flat. Um, I saw you something <clears throat> on Twitter about 30 seconds of it, mm. and it was very bad. It, I mean... He sounded bad. Within the context mm. of a tech metal festival, even the bands that I didn't like at Euroblast, at least they could all play. And in fact, the majority of them, even the ones I didn't like, they, they were at least incredibly proficient at their respective instruments. So when you see a band, when you see, well, really a guy come on who is just so far away from being able to actually sing the songs and kind of like the attitude that he had about it i mean the room was more or less full i'd say i don't know how many uh, what the capacity is but i'd, I'd wager probably at least two thousand. the room was around about full and it cleared out pretty quickly i would say it was about a quarter full by the time their set finished right um the majority of people who left um outside were just wailing outside the doors and the um there was a sort of i mean there's a lot of videos of this the the rest of the festival uh sporadically people would just start going ah! which was mocking the i say lead singer the guitarist of uh, the Heart Machine. Well, he is a lead, he's a lead singer now. <laughs> well, he is now. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes they would do this when he was around, and oh, he had a very sour face on when when that happened. Um, but this just became like a running joke for the rest of the festival. And I'm mentioning all of this really because I've never seen anything like it. Really, not in a professional context. I have at like Battle of the Bands at school and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but that is the last time I recall seeing because even even when we're like really nasty to things, even when we see a band that like we really hate, like I don't know, Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two. Well, I've never seen Blink One Eighty Two. Like uh, Five Finger Death Punch. I once went to see Five Finger Death Punch in Germany, um, and you know gave them two stars when I worked for the Independent. Right, Five Finger Death Punch can play at least. Ivan Moody can sing. You know, like. You know, like they they can do. I gave Pierce the Veil one out of ten when they supported Bring Me the Horizon in two thousand and thirteen. Right, that I think that's the lowest I've ever given a band, um, sort of imprint. Mm -hmm. And but and that could they do the absolute fundamental basics of being in a band, kind aka of, play yeah, their instruments? Kind of, I guess. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> one of them could. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, what I will say for the Heart Machine, um. Uh, Moomin announced on stage that he had met the rest of his band three days before their scheduled appearance at Euroblast. Now, playing maybe the premier tech metal festival in it's Europe. Be one of, yeah. It's right up there. Yeah. It's certainly considered as such. Mm -hmm. um, 
And getting a band together three days beforehand who had never even met each other to rehearse and practice. I don't, I don't really want to shit on the band themselves at all because I thought they did an incredible job under very difficult circumstances. I don't think they were perfect, but they are clearly, you know, considering that they had three days to rehearse, um, they did a, they're clearly amazing players, like properly amazing players. You know, they weren't the tightest, but then they had had three days to rehearse. So well, fair on that note, I actually remember once, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I remember mm. bumping into... I think, again, it might have been 2013, 2012, 2013. Crocodile's um, first gig mm. was at Download Festival. Right, right, right. On the third stage. And I saw Dan Picard and he went, oh, I've just met my singer for the first time. Oh, wow. On the day. I mean, sometimes that stuff happens. But that's like Dan Carter, fucking lags from Gallows. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody who might um, Slipknot. Um, yeah, uh, uh, James from Sixth. And, yeah, yeah you know, City, like, like really good people. Well, also, you usually, <laughs> I, I was under the impression that he had literally just got the band together three days earlier. Right. You know, okay. so those, so, so, so the Crocodile guys would have been sharing stuff over, like, uh, over the internet and stuff and rehearsing their individual mm-hmm. parts, probably to some sort of click track thing to, to try and get it all, you know, they would yeah. have. But this was just like shambolic as fuck, basically. And, you know, to a paying audience. Um, and, you know, Moomin stated that he was nervous and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, it's not really acceptable to do that sort of thing, is it? That's I said to the Euroblast PR um, that a fan of the Heart Machine must have felt that watching that set was akin to watching a brain surgeon operate on a loved one poorly. Um, and far be it from me to say if uh, that Euroblast PR did or did not double up with laughter, but I'll leave that to your imagination. Um, it was an absolute shit show. Mm. Um, Should do more character assassinations on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Al, if you're listening, I didn't say shit. I just said oh, I'm going to make sure Al's listening. Um, there's uh, some burn people. Burn house down, not so, Yeah, burn my house down, please. Please, I'd love to talk to you. Um, there, I mean, a lot of people might be like, Jesus, this is a really, this seems like a really harsh, sharp, nasty thing to do (laughs) to an individual. Um, based on the things that I witnessed backstage, I cannot think of an individual who deserves it more than Al Moomin. Um, if you are listening to this, Al, please stop. Just quit music. You're like you are I, I can't see a modicum of talent within you and you should stop uh there are a lot of people where there's a Euroblast family facebook page where you know and, and a lot of those people aren't you know didn't follow him around backstage and so probably aren't aware that he's an absolutely horrendous human being um but uh and there a lot of them are trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and all that kind of thing no don't he is a despicable human being um and uh he really should stop uh playing music um now but it's good then i mean the rest was fine Euroblast. yeah it's all right it's quite good i think its reputation as the best tech festival ever i've been to three tech festival tech metal festivals this year and i would say it's the second best i've been to this year what's the other ones complexity fest would be my number one uh i also went to radar lovely strip bar radar and all three of those festivals i you know i had a really good time at um 
and I do yeah Eurobus is good I, I I I felt like I'd heard a lot of really positive things about it before I went so maybe my expectations were a tad too high or maybe I'm just sick of seeing bands with backing tracks I don't know maybe but um I thought it was good but I can't say much more than that I didn't think I there wasn't a single set I saw re- all weekend which was mind melting oh my god 10 out of 10 amazing yeah i would say all the highlights that i mentioned those five bands that i mentioned as highlights were all very very good but they were all kind of eight out of ten right okay whereas well, you know speaking of going into something with fairly low expectations shall i talk about static x please i'm really excited so to about this i went to see the reformed static x on uh, about a week ago and um, it was very interesting, Renfrey. The first thing I noticed was the T-shirts that people were wearing. One, it was sold out to, like, it was sold out. You know when they go, it's sold out? This was fucking sold out. What was the venue? Electric Ballroom. <clears throat> I mean, it was seriously sold out. Have they opened the upstairs bit? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the upstairs was absolutely fucking rammed up there. Excellent. Cool. It was packed. Uh, well, that's I mean, interesting. Yeah, I... I I, I'm gonna start. I didn't recently like dope. Uh, okay, um, I'm gonna start from Wednesday 13. Who's Is, are you reviewing the drug there or the band? Kind of both. <laughs> I'm, I'm ambivalent to both. Um, uh, Wednesday 13 to me seemed like as third down on the bill at the electric ballroom. He's bigger than that, and he's surely Wednesday 13. I don't know. I so I heard a rumor, although I don't <laughs> think it's true. But I heard a rumor that a promoter in Bristol paid a disgusting amount of money for Wednesday 13. But I think he was joking. But I'm not sure. But that he would does suggest seem that quite no. Big though, like, do you know what I mean? He does seem bigger than third down on the bill at the Electric Ballroom, which holds what a thousand people, maybe? I, no, not even that. Eight hundred people. Yeah, yeah. I, mm. I, I thought. I thought he could. You'd he think could. If he p- would play. He would be at, you know, uh, five. He could do a five hundred cap venue on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, I'd agree. I, I, I would have definitely thought that he would sell out the underworld with no issue whatsoever. Yeah. I would have thought. So weird. So it was just odd that he was that far down the bill. He dressed up a lot like Alice Cooper, and you know, when I think of Wednesday Thirteen, obviously you think of the Murder Dolls a lot. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've listened to every single Wednesday Thirteen album, or I've listened to every single Murder Dolls album, or I've listened to you know Frankenstein, Drag Queens, from Planet Thirteen that much over the years. But I thought I knew enough about Wednesday Thirteen to think that he wasn't sort of, you know, sort of sub Rob Zombie, <coughs> which is kind mm-hmm. of what that show was. Right. It was very like industrial metal stomper. Yeah. Um, well, I always thought Wednesday 13 was much more Alice Cooper and, um, you know, um, glam rock, Twisted Sister and that kind of thing. That was what I thought Wednesday 13 was. And I know, obviously, like, Frankenstein's drag queens are definitely much more Ramonesy, Misfitsy stuff and Murder Dolls as well. You know, that the album, that first album is definitely much more kind of... Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And... The bits and bobs that I've heard from his last album, I don't remember it being proper. I don't know if he changed his, you know, deliberately picked the material that sounded much more like what he was surrounded with. But it wasn't quite like what I imagine Wednesday 13 to be like, which was kind of a shame because everyone else at the show was staccato new metal. And I thought oh, it would be nice for Wednesday 13 because he won't be like that. And he was. 
Mm. I have to confess, I don't. Really, I've never really checked out Wednesday Thirteen. He's all right. Like I saw him do an acoustic set at the Borderline, oh. and it was packed. Right, and he's you know. really good. Just him on his own with this acoustic guitar. He's really funny. He's really nice. Yeah, like, I've interviewed him a bunch of times. He's really, really nice. Yeah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> Fucking cool dude. But um, I was a little bit disappointed with his set. That's because, a shame. You know, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Okay. Um, Soil came on. They played their song. They brought their song to London. Uh, we, remind us the we're song. We're bringing our song. I will show you, show you my little halo. They did that. They did like <laughs> 20 minutes before, which wasn't that. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> this isn't Halo. And I was like, play Halo. And everyone else, we just, a lot of people going, come on. You've got. And they didn't. And then they didn't. But do you know what? They didn't even end with it. Really? They ended with a cover of Whoa, Black Betty, Rambalam. Oh, fuck off. So they ended Whoa, with Whoa, Black Betty, Rambalam. The main boy got in the, because um, uh, he went, who remembers an album called Scars? And we were like, no, but we remember the song that you released from it. <laughs> 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 Fucking play that, you twat. Uh, yeah, so they played their song. And they actually were not as bad at the start, because obviously I was like, oh, here they come. And I was like, all right, let's do the fucking countdown. They're on for half an hour. They're on for 40 minutes. Let's put 35 minutes on the timer and come back. (laughs) 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 Just in time. It reminds me actually, like, I went to Groves Rock. The one time I did Groves Rock, some 41 were like, Rancid did um, Outcome of the Wolves on the first day Mm. before, which is amazing. Mm. Second day, some 41 headlined. And it was my (coughs) stag do, actually. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, because I, you know, got married. That went quite badly but let's, anyway let's it doesn't, doesn't matter um, <laughs> it's fine and don't get married kids <laughs> ever it's a waste of time and <laughs> are you crying stag was good no stag <laughs> was really good stag <laughs> was good it's almost worth pissing four years of my life away for the stag to be honest and and all that money uh anyway <laughs> Uh, so, so my statue, the second night, we were like, by the end of the second night, we were just, everybody was just completely blasted. And we were like, oh, some 41 have been on for like an hour and 20 minutes. We're like, she was going, watch a little bit of some 41. And we ran over and as we got into the tent, it just went, dun, 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 <laughs> as we got in. And then we went, yeah. <laughs> and then they played in too deep. And they went, see you later. And we went, bye. We watched seven minutes of some 41 in, in its entirety. <laughs> and it was in too deep and fat lip. Perfect. Hmm. So anyway, but um, soil weren't as bad as I, you know, I thought they were um, at the start. Okay. And then I was like, oh, every song... After sort of five songs, I was like, the first one was like, oh, okay, it's not as bad as, you know, it's not it's not Halo, mm. which is a down, bit of a downside, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then they just, like, every song was like, I will present you with my my medium-sized uh, hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, so the as, rhythms weren't quite as good. good. Uh, so, yeah, they played Halo. And then when they did play it, they sort of weaved through it and it wasn't very good. Oh, so like, everyone went mental. He got in the crowd. He did that stupid thing where he got in the crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never and seen also, that they did like a really, they did about five minutes of build up of mm. like feedback and stuff before. And it was like, oh, I know what you're going to play, mate. Know what you're going to play. Do you know support set as well? He's like, you know this one. And it was just like, da da da, ba ba, They went into Rain and Blood. No, they didn't. Um, <laughs> this week does go into rain and blood, which is good. Later on, um, 
And then they fucked off. And then I got to Static X, right? Now, Static X, I don't really even think I've thought about Static X for five years. I don't think Probably I thought about... when Wayne died. I thought I was going to say, I don't think I thought about Static X and, 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 uh, since Wayne Static passed away, yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where you kind of forget <clears throat> they're a band. Um, but then when you remember, uh, then you go, oh, and... Oh, and then I was sort of halfway on my way to the gig. I was like, and Wayne, so obviously it won't be Wayne. Now, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the Static X Reformation. So when the band walked on, it's the original lineup. They played the debut album, Wisconsin Death Trip in full mm. on its sort of 20th anniversary. Right? Yeah, I, I'm just very quickly. I'm quite surprised. It's been quite the controversy, the old Static X Reformation for reasons you're about to get onto, yes. I'm sure. Now, when the singer walked out, I thought, a bit weird, isn't it? Reforming Static X without the main, the only one who was in it for the whole time. Mm. And then the guy walks out, mm. is wearing a skeleton costume. Right. With his hair done up like Wayne Static. Yeah, which, which for those who are unfamiliar is, uh, I mean. He's got long hair. Like, Im- his hair was long as yours, probably. Yeah, impossible. And would, like, Im- glue it. Yeah. Like, like it must take higher an hour yeah. to to yeah. uh, two uh, tins of hairspray. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like you know, Pritt stick and all that stuff. You 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 can't it, it, you couldn't mistake it for any other hairstyle by no. any other person no. in the world. I don't no. think. No, no, no. He had the same beard <clears throat> and he had a mask on, which was a kind of zombified version of Wayne Static's face. And he walked out, and I just sort of went, "Hey, mm. like." The bloody hell and me- <coughs> and I you kind of do the double take and you're like this feels very 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 distasteful yeah that that is pretty much what the the people have been saying because it would be like imagine if you died hello and I just got some bloke to come round <laughs> and we I didn't tell you who it was but I went hey Renfrey's still here guys we've got a bloke and we've put him in a hoodie and he's got long hair and we've got glasses but he was put him in a skeleton suit and he's got all his faces like white and the skin's peeling off because he's dead <laughs> like I'm sure that, your friends yeah. would go fuck off mate yeah 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 I mean the only thing I can, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that like Wayne Static's a massive horror aficionado yes, and all that is. kind of thing um, and so that maybe it could be uh, perceived as a tribute as far as that. And then at the, and at the same time, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't know Wayne Static. I never spoke to him. I, 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 you would have thought that his bandmates know him better than anyone else. And you would have thought that this would be seen as a tribute. Well, but it's yeah. still difficult. To... It was really weird. Yeah. I was just sort of going, oh, but then they started playing. And yeah. The thing about Static X is, considering, you know, they are from a school and a, a time which is, you know, particularly in 2019, the second, third waves of new metal, very, very, I would say Static X are second, second wave, yeah, second wave new metal, but yeah. like the end part of yes. the second wave of new metal, right? Yes, so the debut came out in 99. 99. Yeah, so it's the 20th anniversary of it, right? Now, again, not listening to that album for ages. They came on and they started with, um, I think it was Bled for Days. So they didn't play the album in order. Okay, that's right. good. Yeah. Um, so they started with Bled for Days and I was like, oh, fuck, I've not heard this song for ages. And it was like, fuck me, that's weird. But God, oh yeah, it's Wayne. And you sort of look at it and suddenly when the song kicks in, you're like, this song's actually, it's much better than you, well, even, you know, the other bands were playing new metal type of music. And 
you just go, this is dated and it's shit. And those, but those songs are held up really well. The songs of Wisconsin Death Trip, I'm a Stupid, um, Just One Fix, Love Dump, which, I mean, Love Dump was always just bizarre. Mm. But like, the title track, the title track's great. <clears throat> and I was like, this is really groovy. It's really dancey. It's got some really weird sort of hooky, catchy melodies. It's so kind of kitsch. And it always was kind of, like I was saying last week about, you know, tr- trying to be futuristic mm. um, when that future hasn't actually arrived means that you don't actually sort of age that much. And, you know, Static X weren't trying to be cutting edge or anything. They were trying to be disco. They were trying to be kind of like evil disco. I think they used to say, we are evil disco. And as it went on, at first I was like, you know, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see what it's like. And, you know, we'll see how long I last. And I got quite far down the front as well because I was, you know, I, I suddenly went, oh, yeah, I like this album. And I sort of ventured further and further down. They sounded really good. They were really fucking tight. And most importantly... Pretty much, it must have been four or five times, Wayne, they video screens with Wayne on it the whole time. And a lot of times they were like, make some noise for Wayne Static. And it all felt like a big tribute to Wayne Static. Mm. And by the end, I was like, okay, do you know what? This doesn't leave you with a lot of wriggle room for the future. If this guy, mm. this unknown guy, mm. is going to be like from parts, he's called, they've called him Zero. And he's from it's parts. probably Chris Fenn, isn't it? From, yeah, and he's from parts <laughs> unknown. And we don't know who he is, but he's dressed up as Wayne Static, and that's the sort of look. And it it, it means, well, okay, well, you're basically you're kind of putting a full stop on your career at this point, aren't you? Yeah. You re- but apparently, got a new album coming out. Oh. So. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh dear. So that's the thing where you're like, well, you can't really do a new album and pretend to be someone else. Like this is like a kind of it's almost like a living hologram. <laughs> yeah. No, like it's, it's a really weird thing to do. I mean, so imagine play- if Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic were like, there's a man with <sighs> blonde hair and a check shirt, and a, but he can Hello. play, smell like teen spirit. Well, you, yeah, you with a, Come like, as a, you are. with a big shotgun mark on your fucking <laughs> forehead or something like you just, people would go, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think it says, probably says quite a lot about new metal and, the sort of the way because you know it yeah. was just really really cartoony and in between yeah. songs he was like yeah. oh, hello London we're rock let's all do a shot and I was like I've, you know, I've forgotten how stupid new metal bands are because it's been such a long time since I've seen a proper like new metal band mm. like a you know bands who have transcended it Deftones Corn, System of a Down Slipknot whoever but the ones like the sort of the, the I don't want to call I don't really want to call Static X the dregs of that scene because I'd probably put them in the sort of like touching the upper echelons. Maybe of the that more scene. standard bearers. Hmm. I don't know, but like yeah, I know, know what you mean. Songs like you know Get to the Gone, Black and White. They played that as well. Like those songs are fucking. They're great. They were no, great, I'm and I actually not listened to them for a long time. Went away and I was like, "Man, Static X were good. Hmm. At least for two albums, hmm. Static X were really fucking Wisconsin good." Wisconsin and Machine, yeah, I'm guessing they're great. Hmm. Those albums, hmm. those albums are really good. I mean, Wisconsin Death Trip, that is a fucking killer album. That's hmm. a great record, and I, I listened to it on the way back, and I was like, "This is good. Hmm. This still sounds good." Hmm. Um, it was weird. It was hmm. interesting, but I went away from it going. Yeah, good. Fair would, play. Would see again. Like, I get it download. Love to see it download. Yeah, I have never. I mean, I'm not going to download. But, <laughs> I have, know, theoretically, I, I've never, download. I've never heard of a band doing that before. Yeah, it's very, very odd. So you know, fair play from that point of view. But also, I don't know. It's odd. I mean, but you, you would be happy to see them again, would you? 
Like yeah, with yeah. That. I, I I really really I thought the set list was great because um, they played basically they played kind of seven or eight songs from Wisconsin Death Trip in no particular order. Oh right, so they didn't play the whole record. I thought I thought no, they no, were playing no, the whole no, record. No, they did play the whole record. They played about seven songs oh, in no particular order, and then they had a little like shot break, and they had a thing of Wayne Wayne Static like and his like his date of birth to the date of his death and everyone gave a big roar and then they went into get to the gone and then into black and white and then they did that kind of like here's two from machine here's two from whatever the next one is and then here's two more from whatever well, stop this <laughs> at that point but um here's two, you know and they went to sort of chronologically through their um their career mm. and then they did the last three songs on um wisconsin, wisconsin. Dress trip which i believe i think they did i was stupid and then push it i think were the last two for if memory serves it was good. Surprisingly good. But then Fair my play. expectation levels were very, very low for it. So, mm. you know. I saw posters of the Static X show because uh, they were coming to the uh, venue that I was seeing Eurobast at in Cologne. And I was, you know, thinking of you seeing that show. And next to them, I saw uh, posters for Clawfinger as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit annoying that that show was on the same night as Nile and mm. Volbeat supported by Baroness. Yeah. So I was a little bit like, oh, I mean, I'm happy to see this, but of all the bloody nights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was like, all oh, the agony of choice, Baroness or Nile. <laughs> oh, neither. <laughs> Throw both of them on the floor. <laughs> um, okay. So the day before I went to Euroblast, I was down in Bristol because uh, I feel like I've been touring the whole fucking world at the moment. And yeah. um, I went to see Emma Ruth Rundle, who is... Fabby Debbie Dosey. Um, I also, she su- was supported by Joe Quayle. Are you familiar with Joe Quayle? Oh, again, I know the name. She's a cellist. She does. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Super Jelly Jelly things. Um, and super Jelly Jelly. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? You're calling it that, are you? You're yeah. happy with that? Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm ecstatic. All right. And um, so her form of excellent Super Chelly Chelly is just magnifique. Um, and uh, it's sort of, I mean, it probably cut probably goes along the more kind of near classical realms of what we have discussed in the past mm-hmm. but there's shitloads of looping and the cello is like hollowed out and it's all electric and stuff and it's just her on her own but she's looping the shit out of it and um all of her songs are around 20 minutes long she is fucking great and she's also going to be on a podcast that we have that i have done uh soon for a special for something which i'm still not going to announce yet but um she was absolutely excellent i can't say loads about her because the exchange where i saw them in bristol was absolutely packed and i was right at the back and i could barely see her but um i've seen joe a number of times and she's fantastic like and she got an amazing amazing response and she was a brilliant 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 support for emma ruth rundle Look at Bonjour. Evil. Uh, I mean, not evil. She's smiling she, through her eyes. She, she's not smiling through her eyes. She is. She's oh, Bonjour. cursing Look. me through her eyes. Such a cute face. Um, this was kind of the the last we'll see from Emma for the um, uh, On Dark Horses. We talked about Emma Ruth Rundle quite a lot on yeah, this show. She was wonderful, you know, as usual. There isn't loads else to say about bar the fact that she was absolutely brilliant. I think she's at the top of that kind of um, game in terms of, oh God, I suppose, uh, dark sort of, uh, what's the wibbly, wibbly, wibbly effect? Reverb, reverby kind of um, stuff. Um, and she's my favourite of all those kind of artists. And I just thought she was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, Talk to me about Linguita Igniter. Okay. Time. All right. Okay. So then. Because I was oh. too scared to go to this. 
So a couple of nights ago, I went to see Lingua Ignota. Now, we discussed Lingua Ignota a few weeks ago, her album Caligula. We've both basically collectively said it's the heaviest record of the year. When we say heaviest of the record of the year, we are very you much... any year. <clears throat> quite possibly, yeah. yeah. We are very much referring to the themes and... Um, um, delivery the, the delivery the feel, the feel the themes as opposed the to the atmosphere. sonic yeah as opposed to the sonics Even though sonically is pretty heavy. although there are certainly moments that sonically is fucking terrifying yeah, frankly no, I don't even know it's pretty heavy it's really <clears> heavy <throat> i haven't actually listened to it since even though i said i wasn't going to you have did you say? yeah i have yeah and how are you how's it settling with you now it, uh, it's it's the impact of it will not dull no it's very 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 it is by far one of the most powerful records of the year if not the most powerful record of the year um and maybe even one of the most powerful records of the decade we started with her setting up the stage um to a um to a whole bunch of bands. I mean, she, she clearly curated a bit of a playlist, which was um, things, I'm pretty sure there was some Full of Hell in there. There was a Cult of Luna song. You know, it was all really heavy, really nasty, extreme metal yeah. stuff. Quite a lot of like noisy, avant-garde rock stuff. And she was setting up the stage. Um, she was putting a uh, sheet up at the back of the stage and covering she had a, key, a keyboard or p electric piano with her she covered that up in plastic as well and just just sort of going through not going through the motions but just just preparing herself for the show in front of everyone and it kind of felt like this was almost as much a part of the show as the show itself so that was happening for half an hour and then when she started um she started playing um keyboard or piano and singing as well and um she is a absolutely incredible phenomenal musician uh, it's been spoken about a lot how she is classically trained and you can really hear it live um when we <clears throat> We see a lot when we see a lot of music live um, and um, the difference between someone who seeing someone who is sort of classically trained and seeing someone who's just sort of, you know, in the heart machine. <laughs> yeah. In the well, which I literally saw the day before. <laughs> My God. Um, or some or someone even someone who is who we would see is really, really capable and really, really good at singing or screaming or whatever and then seeing someone classically trained i mean quite a lot of the time i have a little bit of an issue with people who are classically trained because i feel like they kind of stick to the rule book a little bit too much yep. um not in this case evidently. not but but you know this that is not the case with linger ignosa at all um and her voice is transcendental and it's it's utterly mesmerizing when she's playing and singing i thought um it's really difficult to review this as a traditional gig because i don't really think it is a traditional gig um it's more of a kind of um i i i i don't really want to use the word performance because that that might 
give the impression that it's sort of faked and i don't think it's faked in any i think it's relived so to speak if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think it i think it is performance art but based on something that you know happened to the performer um and it was a real uh, there's i've seen a lot of stuff on twitter and a lot of reviews and so on and so forth basically professing it to be the most amazing thing they've seen um i'm i i thought bits of it were incredible and i thought bits of it were uh not as much um i really thought i suppose this is gonna go along with a lot of what i say um with musicians playing live and so on and so forth but i really enjoyed when she was being a musician if that makes sense and the feeling was still there she was still conveying the songs in an extraordinary um extraordinarily visceral way which is very difficult to to you know turn your face away from or anything like that but then when she wasn't playing she was just singing to a backing track and because it is it's just her on the road it feels like you know and this almost feels like something that she has to do on her own it would be kind of strange to have a backing band there doing this with her because i think her backing band being on the road with her would be too concerned for her every night the manner in which she's doing it but um she would then i mean this has been talked about a fair amount with her live show but she had this light which she could carry around with her and she put it around herself and she'd go into the audience and start singing um the second track on the record which is certainly the first moment of the album where you go fucking hell that is really tough um there was a moment where the backing track failed which just felt really i mean this is you know just more evidence as to why you should just i I don't know how i don't know if you can play that music live that's the thing but it was really weird because like people would like totally getting into it and um uh it, it was a really raw very intense performance and it was really and then the backing track failed and she had to sort of retreat back on stage and and it all just kind of fell apart fucked it a bit i thought um and then um and i mean she recovered very well considering and she definitely still stayed within it but it it just it it really i was really entranced up to that point and it really lost it for me um quite a bit um and then it kind of kept changing between her playing live along with keyboard piano which were bits where i was really mesmerized and thought it was absolutely brilliant and beautiful and then beautiful (laughs) beautifully performed i guess yeah i should say um and and stuff with backing track where it was more like a performance but things she'd obviously i'm not trying to insinuate that what she does is exactly the same every night but she very clearly it's like right for this song i walk over here and i um stand on this stool and i put the microphone around the lighting rig and then i strangle myself with it and sing it like that and it all was a little performancey hmm um and i mean i said i said this to this to you on the phone it was kind of more it was more theater 
it was more something that you would see like at the fringe and fringe is often um uh, associated with comedy there's lo- shit loads of theater at the fringe yeah, as yeah, well yeah, yeah. um it's more something that you would see like at in a fringe edinburgh fringe or or a fringe theater in london but something really artsy and experimental and weird mm. um then it was a gig really so to review it as a gig feels wrong and it was an interesting hybrid of the two but whether this is just going to my taste or not and i don't think it is because i've seen plenty of artsy fartsy performance stuff in the past and really really enjoyed it i did train as an actor you know um but i have but i have i've, yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've yeah. seen you know i've been in little box theater theater 50 seater box rooms where like people are fucking cutting up rotting meat and going abattoir abattoir and been like oh this is fantastic you know i like i have i've also seen performances like that and gone this is bullshit um this was a kind of in between the two i wasn't really sure what to make of it to be totally honest i will say it's in terms of a gig it's one of the you know it's one of the it's one of the most beguiling interesting things i've seen but it didn't you know it was she played for an hour and god it didn't i wasn't I wasn't completely transfixed for the whole thing, if I'm honest. But when I, but when I was transfixed and when she was playing and when she was using her musical abilities, which are beyond just, just incredible. I thought it was mesmerizing, but when it was more a kind of performance art piece, I mean, there was a point she set up the sheet because there was a light behind the sheet and she would, she would go behind the sheet so she was sort of in silhouette and performing the song and and there was this part towards the end where she sort of flumped down to the ground and then she crawls off and and it all just seemed to be a little bit theatrical and considering what the record is it's an odd thing to do i think Hmm, i think it's an odd odd way to portray it i mean it's certainly made me think and made me feel uncomfortable and which i imagine are all things that she wants and made me question a few things but i have to say i have been super super busy but it didn't stay with me in the manner that i thought it would i kind of thought about it a little bit whilst going home and then went to sleep and haven't really thought about it all that much since i mean i'm a bit annoyed that i I'm too much of a pussy to go. <laughs> well, I will say this: I'm very, very glad I saw it because it because yeah, it is... now it's happened. Because at the yeah. time I was like, "No, fuck that, I can't." But now it's happened. I am a little bit like shit, man. Like, yeah, I should try and I should have tried to tackle it because yeah. I still I, I think about that. Like, this is an album that I think about all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah. told you something earlier about mm-hmm. stuff about, mm-hmm. about you know what, what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can't really go into here particularly because it'll nope. be a spoiler for later in the year. Um, but um, yeah, but I think about it all the time and I have sort of attempted, I have one one more time attempted to kind of go back to it and I still feel the same about it. Mm. And I almost don't want to do it that much and I, I don't want to, I don't want to become desensitized to it really because I don't think you should mm. be desensitized to something like that. So I kind of like that it exists in this place, a bit like, again, Irreversible being the the sort mm. of film equivalent of it, 
where you know again that like i said at the time that is so i don't need to watch it again it's so yeah. fucking burnt into my memory that like, it was never gonna go it's you know, mm. i'll never mm. forget sitting on that fucking beanbag over there with this record on and just being like oh my fucking god mm. and you know i don't think i need to listen to it maybe that's it um mm. because the record stays with me yeah. And I think the record is an enormously powerful piece of work, piece of art, whatever you think of it, whether you're able to listen to it or not. Mm. It is an extraordinary piece of work which has stayed with me. And I do go back to it from time to time. And it still has a massive emotional effect on me. And there were points where I got that seeing it live, but there are also points where I was a bit like, oh, kind of bored. Right interesting which sounds anyway. really insensitive but i'm afraid that is how i felt yeah so, well mate you've got to tell got to tell how it is how felt. um let's do some album reviews then renfrey let's start with the men's singers Hooray! uh the album's called hello that's cool that see how quickly that mood changed really really easy very good. um hello you could be on the one show go from like i don't know world war ii memorial to socks yeah to the i was about to say socks <laughs> odd sock collection it's all in, the, all in the mind. Um, let's do another song, shall we? Nah. <laughs> uh, the Menzingers, Hello Exiles, a sixth studio album from the Philly Heartland punk rockers I bloody loved after the party that came out in 2017. What a brilliant record. I think uh, Rented World is obviously uh, the one before that. It's great as well. Well, 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 well. Um, I am a huge Menzingers fan, but I always seem to be um, against the grain with what everyone else thinks because I thought After the Party was a very good record. Rented World was my album of the year in 2014, I believe. Yeah. And for me, it is undoubtedly their best record, but not many people will say that. Most, on, people, most people will point to On the Impossible Past. I was about to say On the Impossible Past. Or Pass. After the Party yeah, is their yeah, best yeah, record. Yeah. Um, but I disagree... Well, I think they're all very good. But at the end of the day, yeah, they're all... The, uh, Menzingers haven't released a bad album, really. Even their debut is brilliant. I mean, what I would say is that I... Re I remember getting um, Rented World. I was on Team Rock at the time when that came out. Hello. And I was like, oh, this band are good. And everyone <laughs> seemed to be going like, wow, 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 wow. They're oh. back, they're great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this band are good. And oh. I listened to that. I listened to On the Impossible Past. And I was like, these are good. Um, but these it wasn't really until... Um, after the party that I was like, oh, this band are great. They're so great. I think they've taken that crown, haven't they, from the Gaslight Anthem yeah, as the have. heart. I mean, I think they did probably a couple of records ago, but as that like well, modern... Gaslight haven't really even done anything. Yeah, exactly. Ever, exactly. I mean, the, uh, in terms of like that modern um, heartland rock with a punk edge, um, they are the best. Probably. Definitely. Definitely, definitely um, yeah. the best. Yeah. And um, they 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 seem to be getting bigger, both commercially, sizably, and um, they seem to be getting bigger in terms of the parts of this album, Remfrey, Hello. that sound a bit like the Killers, right? Now, I know that sounds like a Careful. mad thing to say yeah. and a stupid thing to say and an awful, insulting thing to say, yeah, but I don't mind it. Uh, I don't mean it um, as an insulting thing to say. What I mean is, when the Killers did Sam's Town, which is their second record, which was yeah. where they they embraced, wholeheartedly embraced this kind of Heartland American, uh, Americana kind of Springsteen-y, anthemic, big 
state and they are a stadium sized rock band the killers right do you know what no, i mean no. might yeah. not be a particularly good one anymore but or not even anymore but um but that's what they are right mm-hmm. now the menzing is when you listen to kind of some of the earlier stuff and even bits on um even yeah even on, on the last record as well a lot of it what's great about it is it's gritty and it's dirty and it still makes you go yeah and it's it's big but I feel like there are bits on this that are much more stadium-sized than the men's singers have ever sounded before. Quite possibly. I, I mean, I think, and I don't. So I don't mean that as an insulting, in, in, as an insulting thing, because I think everything that's ever been there from the men's singers before that you would love is still very, very pronounced and clearly there on this record. Oh, but yeah. I do think they now have like a, a bit of a lift in some cases in some songs i mean this this album feels I, I i bring brought up rented world because it feels very rented world-esque to me in that it's a little bit um less it's a little bit more contemplative than um maybe after the party and on the impossible past yeah. but for me that's that's actually where i like menzingers at their best i think menzingers are I think they're brilliant at everything they do, to be honest with you. But the stuff that I really love Menzingers, I think Menzingers are brilliant at doing their version of ballads or or mid-tempo songs. Mm -hmm. Um, They are enormous. I mean, they are amazing. The beauty of Menzingers, basically, is how they manage to uh, write lyrics and couplets that feel as if they pertain to you and only you, and yet half a million people are feeling exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> strangers forever. I mean, when uh, like yeah. there's there's a song that called Strangers Forever, and you'll have to, I'm I'm gonna have to paraphrase the lyrics, unfortunately, but it is like, let's pretend we never knew each other. Mm. We should have stayed strangers forever. Like, mm. and that which is like we're in love, and you just all you need to, that's all you need to know about it mm-hmm. is like. We're in love and now we hate each other yep. and I wish I'd never met you. And that's and it's really kind of beautifully bittersweet. Well, and the men's thing is the men's thing is right the the sweetest kind of bitter pills. Like they do that high mm. so it's so great. I think there's the third song in this record I absolutely oh, adore it. High school friend. Yeah, that's where the chorus brilliant. is like I was getting fucked up with a high school friend wondering where all the good times went. Yeah. And like that is just one of those whether you whether you're whether you do get fucked up with high school friends or not that is something that that idea of looking back and wistfully thinking weren't times better then mm. is something that pretty much we can all relate to especially yeah. old farts it's, like us. Well yeah, I was going to say um, as well cause on the last album there's what we're going to do now that our 20s are over. Yeah, exactly. And on this yeah, one, yeah, they're yeah. going, no, fucking, I'm nearly 40. There's one song, I can't remember off the top of my head which song it is. It might be that song where he's like going, you know, on the, the waking up and feeling like you're nearly 40. Um, and it's like, oh shit, you're like, you're, you are me, aren't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, it's really weird. You could really, really relate to it. And um, the manner in which they weave these narratives and these stories are, are really unbelievable. There's a brilliant... I'm going to call it a ballad, although I don't think ballads strictly right in the Menzingers world. But this song, um, I can't stop drinking. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that was what you were going to bring up. It's just beautiful in, in its simplicity and the stark portrayal of what is effectively an abusive relationship, um, which somehow it has this amazing empathetic slash sympathetic way of making you being able to sympathise with both sides of the story 
Um, so in in the sort of manner, you know, if you get like a classic literature, classic play like Streetcar Named Desire, the way in which you, you know, Marlon Brando's character, Stanley Kowalski, I think his name is, you kind of, he is a shit, but you, empath- you empathise with him or you mm. sympathise with him, despite him being an utter shit. And this song, so it has this line, which is like, when the cards and flowers don't work, I sleep on the couch when I'm a jerk. And it's like, even though this guy's a dick, you kind of sympathize with him and i think that's an inc- that that way of kind of um it's the springsteen thing isn't it you know yeah. the the way of like empathizing with with um i don't know beatniks down and outs people people who fuck up but people who mean well i mm. suppose um i think there's a real beauty in that um that kind of giving people a second chance kind of thing and it's not it's not all that at all but there's some i think there's something oddly beautiful about that in a yeah, weird kind of about, way you know so much of the menzingers <clears throat> back catalogue that really speaks to me a lot is about kind of broken but i don't want to be an asshole anymore yeah broken but good like ultimately good-hearted people yeah people who struggle to kind of yeah uh curb that sort of i don't know just destructive self-destructive tendencies absolutely and you know like you know maybe we're sitting here and being like you people might be listening going oh god two blokes in their bloody 30s talking about bruce springsteen and going like i could have been a contender like you know what i mean (laughs) like yeah all right we're pathetic all right fine we are and yeah but so are millions of springsteen fans yeah it's just like but but unfortunately um you know so many people do relate to that sort of thing and there's a reason yeah. why it has been working since the sort of birth and rock and roll and it still does and it does on you know you mentioned um we spoke about the gaslight anthem they do this the, fallon does it brilliantly the, yeah. the hold yeah. steady or another yeah. band like you know we've had a yeah. year of this stuff yeah. which has been absolutely excellent like yeah. and I, obviously the men's thing is will be no surprise to anyone that have made an album which sits at, is as good as any of the Nervous album, the Pup album, you know, the very, very best of these bands. Um, they, you know, go blow for blow with all of them. I think it may well be the best. I think I'm going to need a bit more time and I'm also mm-hmm. going to need a bit more time with it to decide whether I prefer it to After the Party or not and um, in where it sits in their back catalogue. This I... Know- I- I, this is my second favorite Menzingers yeah. album after Rented World. I think it's fucking amazing. It's brilliant. I think it's wall to wall brilliant. I think the weakest moments on the album would be highlights of most other people's albums. Mm. You you mentioned um, uh, fuck Strangers Forever, yeah. right? Great song. But I mean, but the first four or five times I listened to the record, I didn't even really notice it was there. And I think that that is nothing to do with Strangers Forever itself it's more down to the quality of the songs that are around yeah. it I, I just i just i mean it's if i ever spoken about that thing where uh, track one on an album if sometimes if people release an album and they might release this brilliant record but if the first track is like incredible mm. sometimes it takes me so long to get to get because yeah, 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 yeah. i go my god that song's amazing and then the second one comes on you go i might just listen to Skip that first back. song yeah 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 again i actually did that on the way here listening yeah. to this record yeah and so the Amer- first song the first song on this album just quickly is uh, oh you're about to america to you're Sorry. freaking me out yeah which has been released as a single and you probably already heard it but it is it is so brilliant and again yep. like just this collage this painting of the inside of it's obviously told from 
you know, the eyes of someone who's looking at their country and going, well, I don't really know what's going on here yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Like this is so pertinent. This is really weird. And, um, and it's, it's, it's said, you know, with no bells and whistles, there's a bit about, you know, the woman preaching for Jesus, like acting like Jesus, she thinks Jesus would have done on the street court. Again, I'm yeah. paraphrasing, yeah, yeah. but there's this, some line on it where I was like, oh my God, that's so perfect. Where he's saying, you know, there's somebody on the street corner preaching for Jesus going, I, th- this is what Jesus would be doing if he was here now. I know it. And he's like, mm, I'm not sure about mm. that. Love. Well, the like, ma- it's so again like you know it's it's so great the main refrain of that song is america i love you but you're freaking me out you know um and i mean yeah as i say so pertinent and it it's it feels so perfectly of the time now that i mean any historical footage of 2019 that's ever produced i feel like should be soundtracked to that song (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know and that's that, that three minutes pretty much sums up the state of america right now mm. as far as i'm concerned um did you see this spoof you know the music satirist website the hard times i do they did i a, like it as well it's great it's fantastic they um, did, please give me a some, job the i was hard gonna times. try and think of one them, but I can't they did a brilliant they did a brilliant article recently and the headline was menzingers get great idea for song after seeing friends smoke cigarette <laughs> 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 Which, if you know the Menzinger's music, is fucking hilarious mm. and br- like brilliantly spoofed, like you know. But I think what I love about this spoof story, story is it kind of gets to the heart of what's brilliant about the Menzingers, and that's the fact that they can make the ordinary seem extraordinary mm. and fill everyday life with this romanticism and pathos that makes simple moments or gestures seem grandiose. Yeah, and 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 that is, I mean, and again. That's what Springsteen does so brilliantly as well. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to controversially say I think the Menzingers do it as well as Springsteen now. Well, Um, so here's the thing is not only do they do that really well. I mean, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, we haven't really talked about just how great at songwriting like they oh. lyric writing and yeah true. you know and yeah. we've talked about oh this is a ballad and that's a really catchy song and but they write uh, and i mentioned you know that this feels like it's going slightly more stadium i wouldn't say it's more polished or anything necessarily i think it's a very subtle shift but i understand yeah. what you're saying yeah but i definitely think i don't think anyone feels... needs to worry no 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 not at all i think you know luckily i think for bands like the men singers and the gaslight anthem. I mean, the gaslight anthem were a big, big, big deal at some point. Right? Hammersmith like, Apollo, yeah, yeah. You know, five thousand academy, and they were a big deal. And the reason for that is, is that this music is or should be, you know, vi- like it. People like the sound of this stuff if it's done well. It's mm. just American heartland rock. It is Springsteen, Tom Petty. You know, like these are the, the and but. There's what's like not most, to love. Yeah, but like most things, is it's very, very difficult to get to that simplicity well. yeah. right. And Menzingers yeah. um, seem to excel at whatever type of mood they wish to take. And they actually make some very interesting sonic choices within the framework of what you think would be a fairly kind of straightforward American heartland rocker. They start songs slowly and then they build into something like raucous. Yeah. They will just rely on i mean that song you're talking about i can't stop drinking Mm. it it, you know subtlety is the word Mm. in that song like it's so subtle Mm. i mean the the instrumentation of it is kind of for a band as raucous for a band who are a punk rock band essentially right 
like musically, it's almost barely audible at some yeah. points, isn't it? It's yeah. really quiet and it's really subtle and it's really kind of dainty almost, mm. I think, that song. But it's it's just not something that you would... You can't just go, we're going to write a bunch of... like I'm going to strap on a Telecaster and jam out some like great Heartland rock. You've got to be a fucking great songwriter. You've got to be a fucking great musician to be able to do that. And the Menzingers are. Yeah. It's actually moments like that that you've just... Um, uh, in the, the I Can't Stop Drinking song, the subtleties mm. of it, which is, which is actually why I prefer... Um, this album, Hello Exile and Rented World to their other records, even though that's not a popular choice. But but those two albums are, for my money, by far their most dynamic albums. Mm. Um, And I would say probably bar Rented World, this is the most dynamic Menzingers record. Um, And I, I, I am so impressed by the subtleties of what they do with that. I mean... For me, the, the 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 it's never talked about really, but and I don't want to go on about it too much because it's an, an old album. But the last song on Rented World, "When You Died," is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. I think, it's and it's so subtle, and it's mm. just Greg and an acoustic guitar, like strummed without a plectrum, and he's like it's really lackadaisical and all this kind of thing, and it is the correct like way it's just that you couldn't do it in a more powerful manner Mm. and uh menzingers are really good at figuring out how the absolute best way to convey what they want to say i agree no surprises from either of us, I would say. No. And, re- and you probably, you will listen to this, you won't be surprised. Like you say, this, this sh- the shifts are subtle, you know, To I, I guess to, if you've just got it on and you just want to have a good time, yeah. you'll have a really good time, you won't even notice it. You'll get more out of it if you sit down and really listen to it and if you really pick through the bones and pick it apart. But ultimately... I mean, it's, it's one of those beautiful times, though, when you're so pleased that you're not surprised. Yeah. You I know. mean, the thing, it's not even not being... I mean, I never, ever expected to say anything. It, there are some bands where... I think we'll probably talk about this later on when we talk about Sunday Real Estate. There are some bands where you just know everything's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. I didn't have a moment's doubt. There are some bands who... Even bands I love and have had like three or four album runs mm-hmm. that have been great that I go... Oh, something's happened in the build up to this and maybe it won't be that good and you know like it's been a while or whatever mm-hmm. right or the bass players left or whatever Menzing is just like of course they're going to write a great record of course they are pretty much and they have yeah so the only go. surprise for me is is it is quite firmly my second favourite Menzingers album but mm. we are talking about what is this it's their sixth, sixth album I mean all six of them are great yeah like they have the last four. I mean, record. I think the last four in particular. I can understand why people get re- like a much more like oh about the last yeah. four particularly. I have First a real two, fine. I yeah. have a real. They're, they're really no, not even fine. They're very good. I have a real soft spot for Chamberlain Waits, which is their second album. I think it's a really underrated record. I'd probably put it above After the Party and on on the Impossible Past. Bloody but hell. you know, but my like my favorite yeah, Menzingers really, albums yeah. and everyone else's favorite Menzingers albums seem to be totally out of sync with each other. So, but what everyone does agree on is they're all great. Yes, I agree. So there you go. 
Uh, what a shocker. The Mending is in good <laughs> album shocker. Uh, that's Hello Exile, and it is out right now. Uh, our next album came out last week. Um, it is by was it two weeks ago? Or two weeks ago, maybe. It comes from the number 12 Looks Like You. The album's called Wild Gods. It is the fifth album from the Mathy Hardcore Band. And a return after 10 years without a recorded album. So this band um, formed or... Did they form in 2002? I think, I think they so. formed in 2002. Yeah. They broke up in 2010. <coughs> they reformed in 2016. And yep. now they have an album out. I should say... Well, they did reform, although it's only two members of the original band. So it's vocalist uh, blah, 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 Jesse Corman and guitarist slash keyboardist slash backing vocalist Alexis Pereja, I think. But so yeah. it's two members of the original band, which is often a worrying. I mean, as if comeback albums alone aren't much of yeah, a worrying sign. Exactly. Two members, just two members of the band is often a worrying sign as well. Um, what do you know of the number 12 looks like you? I do you know what? It's weird because I feel like I should know loads about the number 12 looks like you. As do I. But weirdly, they just were one of those bands who completely, completely passed me by. I feel like they are a band that are a bit of you. I mean, they came up in that, that you know, they played with Dillinger loads. They did. Because um, they're from, I think they're from New Jersey, right? Uh, they yeah, are they're from New Jersey. Jersey. So they're yeah. from the same place as Dillinger. They have that kind of... I think botch sensibility. Mm-hmm. You said, what did you, how do you describe them? Mathy hardcore. Mathy hardcore, yeah. I don't think that's inaccurate. I'd probably say, if I'm being pedantic, Mathy screamo, but yeah. Um, yeah. They certainly have that sense of being incredibly, well, <laughs> all over the place, I guess. Yes. Um, there, there are, I can't, I, I, and I don't know if it's just because I saw them really re- recently, but it occurred to me that they are kind of like, the most demented bits of Between the Buried and Me. I was going to say, there's a lot of Between the Buried and Me that they kind of remind me of. Which but, is, yeah. but with all the proggy bits taken out. out. Yeah, so... Early so, Between the Buried and Me. Yes. Early Between the Buried and Me, <clears throat> but with the Between the Buried and Me's piano bits from now. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I get from this record. Um, I don't know, should I go first? Being yeah. being that I, I, I am a number 12 fan, I think they're right. fucking excellent. I think they were insanely underrated at the time and I'm actually very, very happy to see them back. Uh, but because of those, you know, because comeback records aren't always great and, you know, two members of the original band, I wasn't really sure. Um, so I think this is a fucking excellent comeback record and actually amongst the best that they've released. I think, I haven't, quite i mean every number 12 record is uh extraordinarily um difficult they're all relatively different from each other um and explore lots of different territories and it's very sort of difficult to kind of um put them into a order but Mm. it it, it's certainly this is by far not my least favorite number 12 record which is um, more than you can hope for from a lot of comeback records, let's face it. Yeah, that's true. Um, it would probably f- sit quite firmly in the middle, if not maybe second favourite kind of thing. I, I really, really like it. I still feel like I'm getting a hold on it uh, because there is loads of... There's so much going on on this album. I mean, it's 40 minutes long. It has kind of jazzy progressions. It has like a number of... Uh, there are hooks there's lots of gang vocals and stuff like that there's lots i mean there's there's a sort of 
circusy feel to yes. it. Yes, I was going to say circusy or cabaret. Cabaret's good, absolutely. Mm. Um, like the lunatics have broken out of the asylum kind of thing and have yeah. written an album. Um, and I mean, Last Laughter, for example, which is the second track, um, has this really disturbing pointing and laughing refrain mm. um but then goes into a really massive sing-along chorus section then goes into this absolutely scorching guitar solo there's a lot more guitar solos on this record than there normally are in number 12 right albums um you know and then and then there's songs which there's a song uh called tom tomo's wound i think it starts with like a rumba beat um of fear ends on this bizarre, ominous, dreamy, shoegazy type thing, which sounds utterly. It kind of sounds like a very, very heavy version of the Cure. Um, you know, there are there are just so many things going on this record with this record. I think when you first listen to it, um, it's all such a mush and a muddle. It's difficult to pick them out because um, you're just like you're just hit with this barrage of chaos, basically. But the more you listen to it, the more you realise like, oh, there are hooks there and there are things going on here and like lots of different elements to it. And it is actually an incredibly dynamic record. Just doesn't sound like it when you first listen to it. No, I mean, I've listened to this a bunch of times and I can't really get into it. And I don't know if that's, and there's a few reasons for that. On one hand, it's kind of weirdly, even though everything you say is true, it's kind of weirdly derivative of the kind of bands who were formed when they were around when they probably first formed and it reminds me a lot of that stuff and unfortunately not in a particularly like oh great this really reminds me exactly like see you space cowboy really reminds me of you know all the reel off all the stuff that we reeled off when we reviewed that record and it reminds me of it in a in a great way a nostalgic way and i think the songs are really good my problem with this is is that because there's nothing that is so wildly far more experimental than the bands who I've heard already doing this before, what I really need are really good songs. And at the moment, having had this for like a couple of weeks and listened to it a fair bit, nothing is particularly... Like, stuff does grab you because mm-hmm. you go, well, that is... You know, it seems shitty to call them derivative when, you know, I think, like you say, that kind of cabaret vibe is quite different. And I also, I also, there is a lot of, there is a lot going on. I also think they were one of the people who were helping to form that sound. Maybe. Um, I mean, I th- if they formed in 2002, then that is some way after, like, a lot of, you know, that's some it's way a after. Few, it's a few years. It's a, yeah, it's a good sort of. Four, three or four years three or yeah. four years after sort of drowning man and minus and yeah, dillinger yeah. and sixth and bands like that who were doing but even those like bar sixth who were later anyway i don't think any of them had that carnival carnival no 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 it's that i mean thing. that is a different sort of vibe and like between the buried and me as well i think is a good yeah. shout um but i just think that that it feels more about parts rather than see space cowboy when we reviewed the when we reviewed the the collection of eps and the collection of like songs and split parts i was like yeah yeah cool yeah this reminds me of that stuff but i've not really gone back to it because i was like 
not very cohesive. Mm. There was a kind mm. of a lack of cohesion that I didn't feel like I needed until I heard the album. And once I heard the album and I was like, oh, fuck. That's it's like that, but it kind of goes, you know, it goes in one. And this, even though, you know, it might have the same vibe of this kind of, kind of carnival, um, you know, uh, weird, kooky, Beetlejuice-y sort of thing yeah. going on. Yeah, Beetlejuice is a great show. Um, but I actually, I feel like it lacks the kind of cohesion and it lacks the sort of the songwriting nous to drag me in enough to make me stay there for the weird bits if you know what i mean which see you space cowboy and also gift from god that we spoke at last week and many of those very very good yeah. bands have this doesn't have that and that's a problem for me that that is the kind of the main problem for me in terms of the the vibe and in terms of their ability and in terms of the technicality and in terms of their imagination i think everything's good mm. in terms of actually wanting to me to being able to get me to sit there and enjoy it mm. that's the problem that i have with it that's interesting because one of my notes is uh that theirs is an incredibly difficult theirs referring to number 12 yeah uh incredibly difficult trick to pull off being incredibly musically diverse whilst also being cohesive so i, I suppose don't feel like it is though, i all. suppose on that we disagree mm. but what i will say is it took me at least half a dozen listens before I felt it was cohesive. Okay. But I feel, I suppose going into this, I knew I'm familiar with the number 12's back catalogue. It's always been the case. They've always been a very tricky band to get into. Um, I remember Pete taking someone to see number 12 um, at the Black Heart when they played a couple of years ago. And they, and they love this kind of crazy chaotic music, but it was just, it was basically too much for them. And they were mm. like, I have to go downstairs. It's definitely the sort of thing that like, I wouldn't even bother seeing it live un unless you know the songs kind the of thing. thing. What's weird when you say that is because I've listened to it at least that many times. Yeah. I, when I, the first time I put it on, I went, oh, great. Right. And as it's gone on, the more listens I have from it, I like go, nothing apart from, oh, great. It sounds mad. That's, like, that's the kind of only thing I'm getting from it. And, you know, again, we obviously don't, yeah we'll share that view yeah yeah, and that's yeah fine yeah um but yeah but i don't i just i actually I, that is the main problem with it is that i feel like they've got a really cool aesthetic and i just want them to i just want to feel like i'm allowed in a bit do you know what i mean yeah, i yeah, don't feel like yeah. i am at the moment i i mean yeah the more i listened to it it, it grew on me and i guess yeah. the more you listen to it the more alienated you felt from it not even alienated just that i was like because I listened to it and I was like, oh, great. And once I get my head around it, and yeah, I thought, I'll the more it. I felt like I got my head around it, the more I felt like I was sort of like, mm, I'm mm. not really getting a lot out of this other than the fact that it's kind of a bit wacky. Oh, I've tried really hard not to use wacky in my review, but do you think it's too wacky? I, mm, I, I don't, I, I think wacky's kind of given it like, uh, will give people the wrong idea about it, but yeah. like, it, you know, it, it's tell you who it reminds me of and they don't actually sound like this but i always thought i'd love dog fashion disco uh, right yeah who are basically sort of system of a down or mr bungle yeah right now you the first time i remember getting their album and putting it on dog first dog fashion disco album putting it on and being like oh oh god yes perfect i'm gonna love this because i love a bit of bungle i love system of a down i love like that kind of stuff and it and i put it on and it never hooked me. Never, ever, ever, mm. ever hooked me. Mm -hmm. And I've got that with this as well. I'm interesting. Like, can you, like, yes, this is interesting, 
but it's just and yes it's you know very unique yeah and it's very technically proficient yeah, and it's very imaginative but it is never it uh, thus far i mean you know dog frank disco is fucking 20 years ago now so they're mm. not gonna hook me but this it's just not hooked me at all fair enough which is a shame yeah it is a shame. i think that's why i'm a bit more like sort of about it is because my initial reaction to it and you want you you know if you initially go oh great about something then you <coughs> kind of want it to you want to get more out of it with every listen i don't feel like i've ever got past that initial oh wow they're mad yeah i, I was kind of expecting this to be a bit of a shoo-in for you um but obviously not um really, i mean no. for me We've had a lot of amazing, amazing, heavy, heavy, heavy releases in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, That'll come up again in the next review. And, um, you know, Carbomb, Sea Space Cowboy, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think, I think they're very, very different. But I, for me, I put this on a par with Gift from God, personally. I mean, I don't think you would, from what you're saying. But I I think this is as good as... You know, for me, it goes car bomb, sea space cowboy, and then this and gift from God are equal to me. Mm. I might even slightly prefer this. I'm not sure, but gift from God, yeah, slightly, really? yeah. Hell, but then I, I guess I mean I'm a number twelve fan. I guess yeah, yeah. That might that so might be part of it. But anyway, look, you know, fair play to them for that. The, they are an original band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this definitely. is, and and if you and if you get it, you know, I might just be annoyed because I don't get it. Yeah, and yeah. It's yeah, the sort yeah. of thing I feel I should get. So maybe I'm being particularly sort of harsh on it and I i'm surprised you know i don't feel like it's <coughs> definitely not the sort of thing i'd write off sometimes you get albums <coughs> and go oh fuck this whereas this feels like one of those albums where i would where i would go back to in a year and go because i'm a bit i'm a i'm a bit annoyed that i don't like it yeah sense. yeah 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 i wonder if one day i should give you mongrel which is their third album yeah, uh, it's it's their best but um yeah, maybe one day right, for cool. But anyway, check it out. It's Wild Gods by the number 12 Looks Like You. Uh, another Great record. name as well. Uh, yeah, it is. What is that all about? Yeah, it's weird. Um, next album comes from Renounced. Again, this came out last week. It's called Beauty is a Destructive Angel. It is the third, I believe, full-length album from the London metalcore band. Um, they are the sort of band whose name you hear being bandied around a lot in sort of hardcore underground Londony circles. If you go to enough gigs and you speak to enough people, Definitely. somebody will bring up, oh, mate, renounce. Oh, oh, oh mate, yeah, oh, mate, renounce. And a lot of you lot out there have been very, very vocal about us reviewing it. So mm. here we are. Um, mm. Rimfrey, uh, I want to shout out, before we start, I want to shout out um, Miss Justine Jones because Justine sent me this about or sent us this, both yep. of us this, yep, yep, yep. sent us this, what, like... Fucking, Long time fucking ago. about four months ago. Yep, and Justine brilliant. went, you want to listen to this pronounced album, you're going to really like it. And I was like, when's it out? Oh God, bloody a long, long way away. Mm. So I didn't straight away. And then about two weeks later, she went, you really, you want to listen to this. And I want to know what you know, this, what you think about this. I need to, I want to know now. And she basically kind of pushed and bullied me into sort of listening to it. And I'm fucking glad she did because it means I've had this all summer. Mm. So I've been able to fucking throw down in my house like a mad cunt, Renfrey. <laughs> all summer. Um. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Go. Um, she also said that there's a song, I'm assuming she was referring to Sol- 
exaltation. But there's this song in her original email to us. She said um, that uh, it, this album has one of the best dive bombs leaving, leading into a breakdown uh, ever. Mm. Um, it's very good. It's not quite dime, but it's very good. Nah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was a bit like, oh, steady on there. It's very good. But it's, it's good. You know, it's not dime, is it? Um, um, I So, you know, metalcore. This is... This is going to be an interesting one, Renfrew, because this is metalcore. But can I just say, this is... So in the last few weeks, I feel like we have referenced a lot of bands from probably from the period that we were just talking about. The kind of... Poison the Well. Poison, yeah. The sort of the pre... The, the kind of the pre-build up to the commercial boom of metalcore. You know, the kind of pre-Kill Switch Engage yep. bands. You know, we just spoke about number 12 who, you know, we referenced... Yeah. Dillinger and yep. Botch, Botch and you know we spoke about Gift from God and we were talking about Converge and we yep. were talking about you know um, Shai Halud and we you know we spoke about Sea Space Cowboy and it was Minus and it was you know again all the kind of weird sort of mathy kind of shit going to poison the well and that sort of thing and this, this feels like a very specific couple of years yeah. of metalcore that and it's referring that to me was just this absolutely beautiful like one of my honestly one of my favourite periods and scenes because I'm not even called it a scene because there's so much from all over the place um but one of the most fertile brilliant periods for punk rock and heavy music in history like I I love with an, a bleeding passion a raw passion I love so many of those bands and maybe that's what and, and I think I even and maybe this is where you and I are different at that point when Darkest Hour came out, when Unearth came out, and when bands like The Hope Conspiracy um, and Wolves of Jericho, I was like fucking fully in on that as well. Canaan, mm. like a British band from from like loads of bands from Kent and stuff. There was just such a great scene, and but but there were a whole bunch of bands who played that. You know, I remember hearing Darkest Hour and someone going, "It's hardcore, it's hardcore punk," mm. but the dudes are playing like. Swedish melodic death metal, mm. and at the time I just went, "What? Mm. That's, eh?" And obviously, metalcore has changed a lot, yeah, over the years, yeah. So, the, so when we refer to this as metalcore, it's absolutely not what we would. Uh, not asking Alexandria. It's absolutely not. No, it's not architects. It's not you know while she sleeps. While she sleeps, bloody like Although, well, yeah, you know, it's not yeah, while she yeah, sleeps. Not really. But no, it's not actually. That's it's not. Um, I would say uh, you have just named four bands, five actually, although I don't know, Kane and Kenan, I don't Kane. know them. You've Sounds named slow. four bands, which made me go, which were like, no, oh, I'm a bit, bit off metalcore now. Like, I don't like any of those bands. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the issue uh, because metalcore for me. You should have said this before, Renfrew. Why have you never said that you don't like metalcore? Before? <laughs> it just kind of, it was... It, it it was it probably was like 2000 2001 when i went oh i'm not really interested anymore bar a couple of you know um bar a couple of exceptions like 2000 po- who are poison you the well who am i yeah i'm renfrey yeah. uh, i'm your co-host <laughs> um but <laughs> 2000 you're out of metal gore by 2000 that's, that's the point before. where i'm less in that's the i'd say so yeah so when Come when on. darkest Jane hours Doe came out in 2001 oh, converger are their own thing aren't they yeah but all right i mean converger one of those exceptions fair from the red came out 
in 2000. Poison the Well are one of those exceptions. Mm, there's a lot of them. Okay, well, the, right, it's what two it? so far. Every time I die, Hot Damn came out. Uh, in yeah, but Hot Damn's not a very good album. As was right, Gutter Phenomenon but, came out in 2000. I mean, Gutter Phenomenon, so. fine. Yeah, very good. Um, but then you know, yeah, I mean, there there, there will be half a dozen. Uh, exceptions of which you've named three um but for the most part it's when i i mean you know we've been going on for an hour (laughs) we've been going on for a while already um but uh that's generally let's say the four bands you've just mentioned never been interested Mm -hmm. like darkest hour has the odd moment well oh that's quite good that album they released the white cover with the red on it that's quite good long old name long old name that's what it's called uh (laughs) you know and there are bits but but that wasn't the point where i went metalcore it was the point where i started going i don't know if i'm into this as much anymore yeah ascendancy for example that's 2005 admittedly but by the time ascendancy came out i I was just like bored metalcore well, but to me, that's, I wouldn't even say trip that tri- trivium. I'm not a metalcore. Well, you know, it's uh, whether band. whether they are or not. Yeah, I know. It's a dull thing. conversation. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to be frank, but um, I think I think this is good for what it is. Oh, yeah. I think this. Is, in fact, I think it's very good, and I think it has very good moments. Yep. Um, funnily enough. I feel like our number 12 and renounce reviews just should be swapped because a lot of what you were saying about Definitely. number 12 is how I feel about this. Yeah. I wondered if it might be. Um, um, so there's a lot of, the, one of the things you said about number 12 was um, I feel like there's lots of really good moments on it, but no like good songs as a whole or mm. I'm roughly paraphrasing, yes. but no, that's fair. that is how I feel about this record. There are yeah. moments where I go mm, stink face mm. um, and quite a few moments actually where I go mm, stink face but rarely a whole song. Um, there are a couple of exceptions. What is that last, the very last song? The very, very it last song called... on the record is called, hold on, give me two seconds. It's called In a State of Frozen Glass. A there statue we go. of Frozen Glass, not state. A That's statue. a really cool song. Yeah, it's fucking great. I one. really like, um, I don't know who plays leads on this. I will say a quick interjection. Sammy Irwin from Employed to Serve is in this band. On bass. Uh, he's on bass, is he? Okay, so it's not Sammy bass, then. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's lovely to hear Sammy say, say stuff like, they didn't have the strength to make it out alive. Uh, <laughs> as he does in his way uh, on Calculated Risk. Calculated Risk has some fucking excellent oh, bits mate. on it. There's a bit where it goes all black gazy and mm-hmm. fades into this acoustic guitar bit towards the end. I'm like, yes, very nice. I mean, that's yeah that's that's but that's pure you know what i was gonna say about this record is that it's amazing to me that renounced have made a better kill switch engage record than kill switch engage have just released i mean amazing to me but it is it's a fact isn't it i would say this shit's over every kill switch engage record but there you go um i wouldn't go that far but i would i know you Uh, (laughs) um i mean i think my thing with it is the foundation of it is that style of metalcore and when it's doing the foundational stuff yeah i'm kind of like eh, this is nice but then when it does something just a tiny bit off kilter and a tiny bit experimental or there's a lead line which is just like which is really nice or there's a backing vocal bit where they're like that's when i'm interested but when it's just the foundational sort of um riffy riffy screamy screamy beat down 
Blair, I'm a bit like Mick. Just the riffs are so good. The riffs, the there riffs are some, are so there's good. some very good riffs on this, but some I, you know, sick beatdowns. Oh, some beatdowns. Don't talk to me. I about bloody beat love downs. a beatdown. You don't like a beatdown? Come on. Cut. What are you one, four? One. Tell your eyes. Four-year-olds <laughs> like beatdowns. Exactly. They, they are. It's one note played over and over again in a in a staccato fashion. Boring. Ah, you're boring. Very good riposte. I mean, well, what, I, what am I to do with to, that? Didn't need to do one. Facts <laughs> don't need. We need oh, to. Oh, we yes. need to get you Joe Nan on about this. Joe Nan, twelve-year-old from Nuclear Blast. He completely hates me uh, talking about beatdowns because I'm always taking the piss out of them. You, when it comes in, there are just some points where you have been bubbling that, stirring that metal pot, that riff salad, that <laughs> riff soup. It's coming. You're getting all. Mm, oh, there's some gang vocal you get a lovely aroma of oh, there's a, an aroma of gang vocals there's a bit of <laughs> bit of at the gates mixed with some hate breed oh there's a little slayer and suddenly double bass and then it all just goes cash and it's out and then you suddenly go oh what has everything gone it just feels nice in my balls <laughs> It just feels gives me a little. That's fine. I love it. And there's a lot of people who do love it. To be fair, you know, I'm just not one of them. But here's you've got to be creative with it. And I think renounced are creative with it. You've mentioned enough little things like weird kind of angular guitar parts. And I think they take from, you know, it's not like too many of these bands just go, oh, we've heard Ascendancy, which isn't even a metalcore album. And we'll do that. And we'll do like a kind of, you know, and it is either the metalcore became kind of two things: one, just all beatdowns, and everyone just trying to be as heavy as possible without writing any songs, mm. or really processed, sugary, shitty, fucking yeah. melodic mm. vocal, like rubbish. Right mm. now, what I think Renounced have done very well is they've taken like a little bit of the hate breed thing and taken a little mm. bit of the melodic death metal they've taken some of the really kind of aggro as fuck nasty like pantera influenced stuff that a band like throwdown would take so it's throwdown is poison well there's bits of melodic stuff that's something like you'd hear on like the satellite diaries by hopesful mm-hmm. um and then you've got like the pace of someone like unearth and the kind of anthemic <coughs> parts that kill switch do very very well hence why they're the biggest band and i think the fact that they have like cherry-picked little tiny bits of all of these bands from a very particular era that I happen to absolutely love um, makes them wicked. I mean, fair, but I think think where this album... I think this is a good... I'd like to make it clear that I think this is a good... I, in fact, I'm going to say this is a very good album yeah. in a um, genre, in a genre that I'm not particularly yeah, into. That's fine. Right? Um... And I would much rather listen to this than a lot of metalcore bollocks, like definitely. Mm. And uh, annoyingly, Renounce played uh, New Cross In, which is uh, around the corner, pretty much in between both where we live. Oh, give it away where we live. Uh, but <laughs> no, just go to New Cross In and walk either way, and you'll eventually come to one of us. Come to either me or Steve. Um, but basically, New Cross In is very, very close to us both. And um, annoyingly, I was in Bristol when they did the album release show last week, and seeing this live after with a couple of pints i'd have i'd have a lovely time mm. i'd have a really lovely time sort of thing um, makes me want to come out of mosh pit retirement i'm not sure if i'll ever listen to this again oh i will i'm sure you will but you know i, I, I think all of those <laughs> all, i think i don't want to do too many comparisons 
But just very briefly, the reason I respond to the number 12 album and not so much to this is because all of the influences that you're talking about that they're taking from mm. are rem- remarkably sim- within a very defined box. Whereas, where oh, you see your neck okay? Mm, yeah. So, well, within the grand scheme of music, Okay, yeah, are, within the grand scheme of music. Whereas the number 12 are taking from... Not really influenced by Tom Waits, are they, for Christ's sake? No, but the number 12 are... Number twelve could be like there, there are there are there are elements of jazz. There are elements of ambient music. They're they're taking so. I mean, there is so much going on I, on that record. I, I would argue that that means nothing if you can't do it very well. I mean, but that's where we disagree, and that, that I is think number twelve can do it very well, yeah. and you don't. No. I suppose at least we're both agree, agreeing that Renounce do this very very well. Yes, it's just not are. my copper. Yeah, fine. I mean, in terms of where it sits, again. I mean, the reason we didn't do it last week is because we basically went, okay, what is the fucking, like, that Cardboard album is is mental. That is insane. Like, that has to be in for sure. Oh. I love The Gift from God. I was really, really yep. keen. And it basically... I think it's wonderful. I think Sea Space Cowboy shocked the shit out of me. I think it's yep. fucking great. Yep. So it basically came down, again, I guess probably it was Gift from God and you going number 12 and me going Renounced. More and or less. all sort of three of them us going, oh, well, you know, like you were, we both really liked Gift from God. Yep. And you like, probably like Gift from God and Sp- and um, number 12 as, as much each other. And I sort of like Gift from God and this probably about as much each other. Maybe. I actually think I probably would slightly have Gift from God just because it is, it's, it's more savage. Over this. Over this. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, Gift from God, ugh, is Gift from God the most savage of all of the, those five I records that we just talked about like, well probably they're, yeah it's, it's they're a, more carbon yeah yeah i mean because carbon is just such a but anyway the most what average... a good week a couple of weeks for heavy music oh it's ridiculous i mean to be honest it's a bit too much because i, I think this never is never too much well i would say this is another thing I, I i did wonder i gave this a good you know few lessons like a good half a dozen listens and i was going am i being too harsh because if this record came out during a dearth of yeah. heavy as in the other nine months of this year pretty much <laughs> if okay if this album came out in february this year would i be like oh my god this is fucking sick mm. um yeah I, I feel like metal has sort of arrived at the party this year we yeah. were talking about our our best albums of the year and i would like for a spoiler like people often go ah oh, you know i don't need to listen to your podcast about your best albums of the year because i've seen your list in hammer well this year <laughs> hardly anything from that top 20 in Hammer is going to get in my list for the, for, for right mm. Hardly anything. I would say at most, maybe six at the absolute most from metal. And I think even that is being pretty fucking generous. Mm. I don't think you're going to get much metal in either of our end of year lists, to be honest, because I actually think it's not been a great, it's just not been a great year for metal. I mean, when you think some of the best albums that come out have been Slipknot and Tool and, um, and Corn, who are bands that have been around, you don't really want the best thing of this genre to be the stuff that is like from bands from 25 years ago. Mm. And yet it sort of has been until last week. Uh, yeah. Uh, Carl Luna. Um, oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's two weeks ago, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Carl Luna, yeah. 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 You're probably right. But I would say, with the exception of, for me, Venom Prison and Rotting Christ. Yeah. It's not really. Neither of which else. I'd even consider, to be honest. Yeah, there's not really been anything else that is metal, metal nope. that would 
sort of even be in the conversation for me. I don't think so. I mean, inevitably, we're forgetting something, and some people are screaming at their, you know, yeah. devices. Whatever. But there's stuff like obviously, um, Tool. You know, are are a metal band. You know, broadly, kinda, kinda, of. yeah. And you know, there's other. There are other. There are other things like Employed to Serve. Empl- oh broad, God, yeah, uh, fucking Employed to Serve will be. There. I th- still kind of think Employed to Serve is a hardcore band. But anyway, um, but then actually, all of these bands we're talking about are hardcore bands. So mm-hmm. yeah, Employed to Serve would be another one for sure. Fair play to Sammy Irwin though for being on uh, two, two fucking, fucking excellent. Albums. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell you what, for being well, on two of the best. Out on bloody Holy Raw. You've had Holy Raw released this and um, that Throws album and the re-release of Holy Fawn. So when it comes to the end of the year, they're almost... Well, they've, they've sort of released uh, Car Bomb as well. And so, Oh, yeah. And sort of released Car... <laughs> so when it comes to doing, like, best out, best re- label of the year, they're obviously going to win that as well from us. Yeah. <laughs> and I <laughs> actually much. think, like, in the World Cup, Brazil won the World Cup three times, and they just said, right, no World Cup. <laughs> you can keep that. If next, in 2020, this is a shout out to all you other record labels... If you don't up your fucking game and we give Holy Raw best label three years running, you just we'll never do it again. Yeah, sure. So you better do it. <laughs> just, try, just trying to yeah, yeah, get yeah. all the other labels to yeah. up their game. I mean, bit. I don't think they will. Anyway, um, Beauty is a Destructive Angel. That is renounced and it is out right now. It's really such, fucking good. Such a lovely title. For such a hard, heavy album. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, let's do our last record of the I week. I think you're a destructive angel, Steve. Well, uh, it's probably about me, that record, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, no Moon by Body Hand, the debut full-length album from the post-rock, math-rock super group, in inverted commas, as it does feature former members of Rolo Tomasi. Doesn't really make them super no, at all. No, no. Does it really? A, b- a couple of things there. Post, no, math. math. This is firmly math. Yeah. Uh, and yes, there are two members of uh, two former members of Rolling Tomasi in this band, the two Joes. But uh, a supergroup needs to have other people. Yeah, uh, from big bands I... which, which this doesn't. So, cool. <laughs> but yes, bar that, very good, Steve. Well Thanks, done. mate. Cheers. Um, so okay. this is another album that we've been told by a few people that we should be covering, um, and it feels like it's got quite a lot of hype behind it. There is a bit of a backstory as to why I've put this album off a little bit. Um, So, well, let's get into it proper. Um, Body Hound are a band who in the math rock scene have been very, very hyped, I feel. I remember going to one of the Arc Tangents, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015, and um, it was every single year Arc Tangent, there's a set that I miss, which it feel, feels like the entire field is going on about, I'm like, oh my God, I must see that. And that particular year, it was Body Hound. And I remember checking out their EP, Rhombus Now, which came out five years ago now. And this is their first release. Yeah. Since uh, Rhombus Now, which has built up the anticipation even more mm-hmm. for this Body Hound record. And... Um, I remember getting the EP and not really getting it. I wasn't really sure why people were going mad over this band. And then I saw them live. I was like, oh, wow. Live, Body Hound are just great. Um, here's a word which you might not expect. Fun. Yeah. Great fun. They are really... That, actually, no. Yeah. They are really, really, really good fun. Um, and just, I mean, mathy as hell. They're all over the place. It's It's really mind-boggling music, this um i would say in a different way but as difficult to kind of digest as a number 12 
or like a kind of um or like a really heavy heavy hardcore band like the bands that we've just been talking about really um and so i waited i kind of waited with bated breath for this album and i'm good pals with the guys and uh there Come are on, Renfrew, just say it. there are many in, okay so the the good things about this record for starters it sounds better than rumbus now rumbus now didn't really give an indication of what body hound are like at all i thought the ep and their live show were just it sounded like a different band entirely mm. i'm not sure who produced rumbus now but no um <laughs> this was it produced was guy from the heart machine <laughs> probably this uh was produced by tom peters who is a member of alpha male tea party he's mm. produced alpha male tea party records cleft uh vasa basically some of the best current math slash post-rock stuff in the world right now and consequently it sounds fucking great it doesn't it, it sounds really good. oh yeah it, it is sort of sonically very pretty absolutely sonically it sounds excellent mm. and it's been um five and a half years since uh since rhombus now can you tell i'm delaying this oh my god um Do you want me to give my opinion mm, first because you said it's been five years since rhombus now yeah go on quite a lot um i'll be very quick with this i think because this isn't grabbing me at all we've done a lot of instrumental kind of mathy posty clever records over the last few weeks and some of them i've really really liked and some of them i have not initially liked um this is the first time in a while where i've just gone nah Mm. not not for me at all i was really really bored there are bits in it where i think that's quite cool yep that's quite frantic when they get frantic i actually quite like it there's a two minute long song called red stasis on it yes which is really good Yes. Really good. And I was like, In fact, I would go as far as to say that there are a few, let's call them interludes, mm. on this album. Red Stasis and what is the other one that I really like? Pillar of Light. These like interlude tracks, which are really good. And I would, I'm just like, I wish you'd expanded on that a little bit. Yeah, because then there's like, it's followed up by some nine minute long, mm. like just, it, it it was a real slog and it was really difficult for me. And maybe it's because I've been listening exclusively to Three Trap Tigers and T for the Sea and mm. Tides from Nebula. Mm. And even that 65 Days of Static album, which I still don't think is anything particularly special, really. Um, but it at least felt more engaging than this, which just... Kind of, an, I felt I was annoyed by the end of it. To be honest, I've had this because I know the guys. I've had this record for about three months, mm. and I've kept sort of going back to it sporadically. Um, I knew it would, ta- you know, I've seen them live a bunch of times over the last few years. I knew it would be a difficult record, and I knew it would need a lot of time. So I've been going back to it sporadically over the last three months i don't know exactly how many times i've listened to it but i would say close to double figures uh, if not double figures and i just i just can't get a hold on it at all and i'm trying i I feel like i've really tried i really really do i was just saying how this music i feel is in its own way as difficult to kind of um grab onto as those really really heavy bands that we were just talking about this album's an hour long it's one hour long 
and it um oh it feels a lot longer yeah Yeah, it feels a lot longer it does feel like a real like undertaking i don't really want to slag it off because ultimately what i'm saying is i've just found five or six instrumental like technically challenging bands who i really really like but it's mm. not probably wouldn't usually be the sort of thing that would interest me that much in the first place. I think so, all the bands you've just named are definitely of a higher caliber than this. Well, that is how I to feel. be honest. Yeah, and it's actually made me go. Oh, actually, maybe I do quite like this stuff more than you know. Uh, it's not what I usually listen to. Like when I mention, I mean, I often mention talking about listening to Fortet or Boards of Canada yeah. or FX Twin or whatever. You know, I don't go out of my way to listen to. <coughs> 30 bands like, like renounced yeah i'll yeah, listen yeah, to every yeah, 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 like, yeah. i'm happy to listen to every band that sound like renounced mm. right because that is ultimately what i really 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 mm. like to mm. listen to in my spare time whereas this is something where i have to definitely have to be in the mood for mm. and it has to be really really good and i'm not saying this isn't i'm not saying this is bad i'm it's just saying te- it's technically this is where i have to tap out and yeah go, Sorry, guys. It's technically incredible. And they're incredible oh, yeah. like, players, I, incredible musicians. I don't doubt it. I mean, it, it, like you say, it sounds lovely. Yeah. And it's obviously incredibly challenging a thing to put together and create. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want to listen to it. I think, um, I think this is one of those cases, classic cases of less is more. Mm. Um I I don't know, you know, as I say, there was a lot of anticipation for this record and it has certainly on math blogs and so on and so forth, which is the sort of thing this record tends to get reviewed on the most. And a lot of math blogs that I have a lot of respect for, it's had incredible reviews. It's been Carol really... Carol like it. <laughs> it's hey! been, it's, you see what you did there? Mm. Um, uh, I just had, I was thinking about Countdown to Extinction and I was like, no, that's Megadeth. And got <laughs> very, very distracted. Um, and yeah, it's been reviewed really, really well. Um, or oh, there's this sort of sense sometimes that I get with these kind of math rock blogs. You know how um, some people only like things if it's uber, 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 ridiculously heavy? You could argue. Uh, <laughs> but you, but I, I don't actually mean you, despite despite thumbing. I do. I uh, no, do no, 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 no. But, but I do, <laughs> just so you know. But there is that school of thought where... Yeah. Um, for example the difference here being like you get people who are like calculating infinity is the only good dillinger escape plan album because it's the only one that is stupid stupendously heavy Mm. i know it's i think it's your favorite but at the same but at the same time you acknowledge that the other albums are also fucking amazing i feel like there's an equivalent with like math rock fans where it's like the more notes that are in it the better it is and it's like no <laughs> and i feel like that might be happening here in a way um the more the more a lot of notes. there's a lot oh my god if you if you like lots and lots of notes. notes there's loads of them um but uh too many notes um too many notes that's from amadeus um uh, it's just i mean I it's around 50 million notes per song <laughs> it's around the Every, every every time I listen to this record, it is the same. It's exactly the same point where I start getting fed up of it, and it's around 
it's at some point during track eight, uh, which is called Calm Surges. And it's basically around the 40 minute mark. It's called what? Carl Sturgis? <laughs> it's called Calm Surges. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> but who's Carl Sturgis? And um, he's just been added. He's the new drummer for Heart Machine. <laughs> just been added. Oh, like, I mean, I'd like to do vocals for Heart Machine because I will oh, be better. just been kicked out. <laughs> News to stay. <laughs> um, and I don't think the reason for that, I don't think it's because Calm Surges is a bad point in the record. I don't think it's because the album dips in quality. I actually think the album, having listened to it a lot, I think the album is of a constantly, of a, a, the same quality throughout. I just think it's the point where my brain goes, enough already. Yeah. And then there's another 20 minutes. Um, and it's just... I, I don't know if it's because it's been five and a half years. Maybe there was this feeling with the band of like, right, this is our chance. Let's just do everything we possibly can and make this big, lavish double album. Because this, this is a double album on vinyl, obviously. Um, and make this big prog, proggy math epic masterpiece. The problem with that is there's too many ideas that repeat themselves over and over again on this record. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and exactly. a lot of kind of dissonance and a lot of like, yeah. dur, 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 dur. it's like I'm just going <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> That's quite a horrible thing to say to them. And, and the thing is, like I said, is they're very talented, but this is, uh, this might come down to my tolerance for this but then if you're saying it it's not but that's that the thing that's the thing you were just saying how like you um you know you don't seek music out like this but there are some that you really like i you know this is music that i listen to to relax and and to relax but this this is music that I, it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> but what i mean is when when i'm Only done the morbid angel to relax whatever <laughs> What I mean is when I'm done with like the, the, the albums that when I'm done with quote unquote work, mm. the albums that we have to listen to, to review, yeah. I will go to a post rock or math rock or lots of instrumental stuff yeah. because that just feels like a lot of my go-to a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time. So I suppose I'm more you know well-versed in this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And I, I want, you know, especially with the guys being, and they will listen to this and that just breaks my heart but but i i got to be honest and i i i wanted to like this so much and i tried so hard and it's not there for me it just isn't and i'm really sorry but it just it just isn't and there are a lot of there's a lot of people who like it and i'd love to hear from people who like it and i'd love to hear why because I want to like this so yeah, much. Again, be angry if you are listening, guys. Be angry. I like I like biohazard. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is out of my remit. It's not my fault. I can't. You're cleverer than me. I admit it. One right? thing. One he's thing. The, he's the shit. I will say one thing though. I don't think um, what I think about this album will have any effect on how I feel about Body Hound live because as a live band, they're they're fucking excellent. Um, and they are actually playing a co-headliner with uh, Polymath later in the year, and I am going to see it, and I will review it on the show, and hopefully I will fucking love it. Um, because live, they are they they are tremendous live. Um, but yeah. Cool. Okay, well, see you there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was No Moon by Body Hand. Let's close up with a trade-off. <coughs> so, Renfrey, last week, um, I gave you 
Uh, let me get the uh, the name of it right. Day of the Death by Death by Stereo. The reason I, almost, I say... I almost listened to the wrong record because all of their fucking records have... Most of their records have death in the title. Right, okay. So this is what I want to say. And we will... Now, I'll tell you what. You say you send this out to Heart Machine. I definitely want to send this out to the members of Death by Stereo because I wrote a blog for Metal Hammer a few years ago, right? The 10 most underrated US hardcore albums. I did one for Europe, one for the UK, and one for the US, right? And... I think I picked some pretty fucking cool albums. I picked Hope Conspiracy and I picked um, uh, one of the, I picked Yours Truly, which by Sick of It All, which people wouldn't often usually do. Strife and like a, a, a different Earth Crisis album. And I think I picked some, you know, some pretty fucking cool albums. Um, Avail, One Wrench, I just fucking love. And um, so I picked Day of the Death by death by stereo in that list right i thought that's a cool record that people won't have heard of before but because i was doing it at work during my lunch break and i was basically on a you know can i have it in the next hour because it's going straight up it was the team rock days where it was like content 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 all day so you were under sort of pressure to write it really quickly so i just from memory brilliant way to run a website yeah so from memory i just bashed through this thing and i accidentally wrote Day of the Death by Death by Stereo as Death of a Dead Day, which is sixth, sixth second, second album, album from yes. 2005, yeah. not this album from 2001. I hope you got crucified for it. And Death by Stereo <laughs> shared it, but went, thanks to Metal Hammer for saying nice stuff about our album. I wish you'd got the name right. And rather than the people on their Facebook page going, oh, well, it's cool that they mentioned you because Metal Hammer mentioning... Avail and Sick of All and Death by Stereo. I can guess where this is going. They went, fucking Metal Hammer, don't know anything about hardcore. So for the record, thanks to Death by Stereo for for appreciating my work. But to all of the people who like Death by Stereo, I know, I do actually know, (laughs) I definitely know more about hardcore than you, just so you know, right? It is weird. I mean, yeah. No fucking, just because I write for Metal Hammer, I don't know anything about hardcore. Fuck you. Anyway, that's by the by, Renfrew. Well, I just wanted to I'm get glad. that right. Is, the is name this of the, the album. Is this the only reason you've given this to me on trade Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. So this is from 2001. It is the band's second album. Uh, it's their first album on Epitaph. Um, I heard the song. And I want to shout out Simon Young from Kerrang! Ah, Magazine. Someone oh, else who works for a magazine actually knows stuff about hardcore as well. Mm, yeah. um, more than you, you troll pricks. <laughs> and uh, he put uh, together this really, really brilliant magazine uh, in about sort of 2001 2002 well it must have been 2001 and it was a kind of <clears throat> a, a punk special where he did the 50 greatest punk albums of all time and he covered bands like, i think great great is the first time the word screamo was ever used that is officially a simon uh, young term screamo for grade yes uh, i remember this yeah. and it, there was a cd on the cover mount cd had hope conspiracy had um uh dropkick murphy's um, who obviously I already had heard at that point. I think it had Drowning Man on it as well. Yeah. It had Bowling for Soup. Yeah, Bowling for Soup. Yeah, it had, uh, you know, MXPX. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it had loads of real, I think it had the New Bomb Turks on it as well. It had some, loads of really, really fucking cool bands on it. And that is a, you know, it's a great CD. And Simon did a, it's a, it's a really, really wicked, interesting um, uh, comp and magazine. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's great. But it had Desperation Train from this album on it. And I listened to that and I was like, whoa, this is, this is mad. Whatever this is, this band are fucking mad. Like, and it, it stood out a mile, that, that song. So I went and got the album 
And I also saw them playing with Boy Sets Fire at the time as well. And they just were just so bizarre a band that I don't truly feel like I know how to properly describe what Death by Stereo are. It's a shame because it's your job. So It uh... is a shame. <laughs> but that's the good bands and interesting, unique bands yeah. are the sort of bands oh, where you go, yeah. fucking hell, yeah. what? what? Yeah. So Renfrey, I'm going to put it to you. A, what do you think of this record? And B, um, what what is this? Well, it's... T- uh, to me, it just, I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but to me, it just sounds like a 90s posse PMA. It's, oh, it's 2000s, wasn't it? But a no, 90s era. 90s um, era. Production wise. Certainly production got wise. The clatter and the rattle of, you know, uh, yeah, you yeah. The strike anywheres and the, you yeah. know, the, the end signs and all those kind yeah. of that cool production that those bands had, which um, I am a massive sucker for. Yeah. Um, PMA um, hardcore record um, and a. A decent one. I don't have much more to say about it than that. Really? I th- yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was all right. It, I think. I think. It, I think production. I think the production, unfortunately, has dated it quite badly. It has. It. It, re- it really reminded me of like early planes mistaken for stars stuff. Not so. I'm purely. Like, I'm talking purely production here. Yeah. Okay, in that this production is kind of squeezing these. You can hear there are great songs underneath it, mm. but um, I think this is one of those records that uh, young people younger than us would really struggle with. You could you could say to someone, a Joe Nan, for example, second mention on the podcast, you could say this band is super super. Um, uh, Turnstile would have been super super influenced by this band, which is a, a likelihood, yep. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine he might listen to it and be like. I can totally see that, but the production just totally squeezes any love that I could have for it out of it, which I don't think is the case with me and you as much because we're kind of aware of that production style and used mm-hmm. to it. But um, it almost feels like something that you kind of had to be there at the time to truly love it was what I got from it. And right. I'm sorry to say that. I thought it was good. I thought I, I thought they was good. way more eclectic than that. They rem- do you know they remind me of that to me. Faith No More. <laughs> they remind me of <laughs> They remind me of Faith No More. Sorry. And I'll tell wow. you why. Yeah, Faith please. No More at their their most raucously sort of punky, the kind of the, the, uh, the Surprise Your Dead? The fifth well, the, the sort of the other fifty percent of like King for a Day. Okay. It's all bass heavy and he's got um the vocalist uh Ephraim Schultz. Uh, who is again? So I'd kind of forgotten about Death by Stereo until a few years ago. They played at the Underworld, supporting Ignite or maybe Doyle. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was around the time I saw those guys. So um, the Doyle solo thing or Doyle's band, or I think it was Ignite. I'm pretty sure it was Ignite. Yeah. Anyway, they played and they were fuck. And I was like, oh my god, it's bloody death they're still a band death by stereo are here and they're playing they're amazing and they ended on a cover of rain in blood oh. right do, do, do. full-blown actual do, do, do. straight cover of rain in blood fucking do, do, do. punk band that's cool and i just thought that attitude of do, do, just being do. like yeah we all know what rain in blood is right and i just thought that attitude and it's all over this record that kind of like weird time signatures weird drum parts you know Ephraim schultz the vocalist does these kind of weird voices yeah his, del- his delivery is his, his delivery is sort of, awesome 
I think Patton-esque is uh, going no, okay. quite away for punk rock. Okay. For punk rock. Okay. I like right? you, so I don't want to disagree too much, but sure. You know what I'm saying, though? I'm not <laughs> yeah, saying he yeah. goes into, like, all these weird high-pitched parts that Patton does or has a bit. But he croons, and then he goes low, and he goes high, and then he screams. And he's, you know, I think he has a, goes I think he has a the... great delivery. Mm. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get Patton from listening to it myself. Now that you've said it, I'm like... Ah, sorry. I think there's some great stuff on this. Like 91, great song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the end riff to that song, uh, Get It Off My Chest, is oh, brilliant. There's yeah. some awesome bits on this record. Yeah. It's super fast and quick. It's like, what is it, 27 minutes, if that. About, I think, I think it does tick over the half an hour. I think I think it does, but there's a, there's like shitloads of silence at the end. So I, th- yes, I think I think actually right. yeah, musically, yeah. I think it probably is like 25 minutes. It's super super fast. It's very difficult to get bored or anything like that. Um, I it's think just it's weird. A, I just remember like you press no shirt, no shoes, no salvation. The first time. Yeah. I don't want to give. I don't want to die. Like that. It's just fucking mad. It was, I remember putting it on and being yeah. like, "This is mad. This is all over the fucking place." It was just like you know, it was at a time where I mean, you mentioned um, planes are staking for stars. Yeah. And small, you know, again to me, a very very exciting period in the sort of punk rock because skate punk had sort of morphed was morphing more into pop punk and yet there are a bunch of bands who weren't really hardcore bands weren't really emo bands and then they weren't really and they certainly weren't pop punk bands who mm. sort of sprung up i mean boys it's fire would maybe would end uh, more into the theme boys it's fire were a weird band they didn't really fit particularly anywhere and death by stereo were one and then you had stuff like like you said planes of stake for stars or small brown bike or hot water music. Yeah. You know, being of. that kind of stuff was starting to happen. And it was all really, really exciting. Like, you know, No Division by Hot Water Music came out. And I yeah. was like, oh my God, I love this so much. And then I guess Rival Schools as well came after, which mm. was a bit more into emo. Rival Schools. Yeah, so amazing. And there were all these bands, but Death by Stereo just felt like the maddest, weirdest. Like, you know, As Friends Rust um and uh i'd said them earlier strike anywhere as well Mm -hmm. there were loads of these just like propaganda i remember propaganda bringing out like um tomorrow's ashes yesterday's empire yeah which is a fucking great record yeah and there was just so many of these brilliant records but death by stereo just felt like the most lunatic one i remember getting this album being like they're mad this is a fucking it's the, the wildest one like, and I love all those I bands. Really I love, I love all those, all those bands. But this is just this album just was really fucking wild to me. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I just didn't get it. I, 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 and I don't know if it's a production thing. But then at the same time, you know, I, I am, I am well versed enough in this style of production to be able to kind of, I think, filter it out and go, okay, I know, I know that this doesn't, this doesn't quite hit in the way that it should do. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just. I mean, you know, you have just named a whole bunch of bands who I fucking love. Hot Water Music, Rival Schools. That first yeah, I Rival mean, Schools they're album. they're very different to all those bands. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I would much be closer to putting these in with... Well, not really any of them, really. Like, sound-wise, I don't think... I think they just... Avail would be... I mean, Avail were far more straightforward to me than this. I fucking love Avail. Mm. Playing for Staking for Stars, again, you know, much more just straight down the, like far more straight down the line I, the only one oof. the only one where i go oh you're a bit weird you know like, boy sets fire are the only one and boys only because boy sets fire 
a, you know, brought a lot of the sort of thing we're talking about with the men's thing. It's that kind of Heartland, Springsteen-y, yeah. melodic as vocal does hot water stuff. music. Yeah, which hot water music does as well. Um, but I think Boy Six Fire were heavier when they were heavy. Yep. Hot water yep. music. Yep. But to me, Death by Stereo were like this kind of weird, and you watch them live as well, and they're quite, they're sort of, they're almost cartoony in their, not wacky. I don't, I'm not really wacky. No, he's but, wacky. But they're but they're very, they're larger than life. And I, yeah, I just thought they were a very very cool, interesting addition to that scene at that time, which is full of bands like you say, who are all fucking great. Maybe I needed to see them live. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I th- did. Like I didn't get weird from this record. It felt fairly. It felt fairly straight down the line to me. Did it it really? didn't feel miles different from a lot of. I keep saying '90s hardcore, and I do appreciate this is 2001, but but it felt very yeah, '90s it was still hardcore. The 90s yeah, 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 yeah. It, it felt very '90s hardcore to me, and Up not until August anyway. Not not a bad example of it. Just just I was like, yeah, this is another. I was I was, I wasn't. I was trying to figure out on my second or third listen. I was like, what? Have you given this? I'm not sure why you've given it to me, and I could only ascertain that you absolutely love it. Um, I do, man. I fucking yeah. do. I really do. I think it's alright. I think it's fucking great. I think. I mean, again, great. great. I would disagree in terms of maybe playing mistaken for stars on my. Well, I mean, playing mistaken for stars are coming up, uh, coming back uh, to London this year, and mm. I cannot wait. Uh, but planes were the band for me with really? this kind See, of thing. Yeah, I fucking were... love them. That first album is. You know that record shop around the corner from me. They've got <clears> that first album. The EP, the the self-titled. Yeah. <gasps> Copper and stuff. Yeah, see, they're a band who I was always like, yeah, this band are pretty good, but I was never mad about them. So it's just a switcheroo, yeah. Anyway, Death by Stereo, uh, still a band. Um, go and listen to them. Go and listen to something of theirs. Yep. Fuck me. And then Sorry about your name wrong, guys, but I hope I've made up for it now. And I think you're really, really good. So whatever. Um, Renfrey, you gave me Sunny Day Real Estate, How It Feels to Be Something On. Yes. Uh, from 1998, the comeback album that nearly made Foo Fighters bass player Nate Mendel leave the Foo Fighters <laughs> yeah. and rejoin his original band. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess a bit of backstory first. Sunny Day Real Estate. Split in 1995 during the yep. recording of their self-titled or LP2. Just prior to LP2. Yeah, yep. but still kind of got it out. Um, at that point, I'm not sure how influential or cult a band Sunny Day Real Estate really were. Um, no, it feels like they were one of those bands that people pretend they build. saw back in the day, yeah, but I don't think they did. Build. I think yeah. probably the Foo Fighters connection would have definitely yes. moved that on. A I mean, bit. I will confess, I, I, you know got kind of the shape and Foo Fighters and then and then heard that their bassist and drum, uh, drummer although obviously William Goldsmith isn't on Colin the Shape that much we'll talk about that in a bit mm-hmm. um, were in Sunnydale Real Estate I was like oh I might check out that band and yes. pff, mind okay. blown right okay well, that's an interesting one that because um, I I very much like again talking about a good era for this stuff I Sunnydale Real Estate are a band who, for me, I'll ask you why you gave me this particular record in a minute, but one would think Diary would be 
the record that most people diary diary is usually uh, very frustratingly for me um sunnydale real estate by those who do know them which it does feel like aren't very many people but by those who do people talk about diary and little else from diary Sunnydale real estate. the eighth biggest selling sub pop record i know i know bunkers deservedly um, so diaries are fucking wicked oh, mate it's great and i and so for me i you know when i started getting it's a few years after the event that <coughs> i got into i think i got sensefield one of the first ones i got but loving early jimmy Eat world texas the reason yeah quicksand yeah <clears throat> those kind of bands yeah. um emo Sunday before Real estate, it was emo yeah yeah Sunday Day Real Estate were a band who, you know, I thought, well, I have a sort of duty to, to go and find this band. And I got Diary. And I can absolutely, completely understand why Diary is considered the classic, the one that people talk about. When they came back in, when was it, 2005, 2006? Oh. They played seven on uh, the Jimmy Fallon show. Right. right? So... Um, was it fat? Yeah, it was one of those talk shows when they came mm-hmm. back. They played seven, and you go, well, yeah, obviously yeah. you're going to play something from Diary. Yeah. Um, I will say when they came back, they um, played the Forum in London, two thousand cap, supported by Biffy Clyro. <laughs> Fucking hell! Wow. Yeah, and fair play to Biffy Clyro. Biffy Clyro were a big deal when they came. I think this was like 2010. Actually, I think it was a bit later than 2006. Um, but uh, they came back, and um, you know, Biffy Clyro were like puzzle or on only revolutions or something like that but they were like we love sunnydale real estate so much we will come and be a surprise um support for you and um to be (laughs) i i got there halfway through biffy Clyro, and i was like i can't believe this whoever this band are covering mountains they're brave and then i looked up i was like it's fucking biffy Clyro," and i like run to run to the front um, very few people seem to care, it seemed, but you know, I thought that was pretty cool to see Biffy Glyer yeah, in a small venue amazing. at that wow. point. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, so, why, Renfrey, have you given me the comeback album? So, Stony Real Estate split and then they got back together. Um, it's weird to call it a comeback album when they split in. Ni- I mean, I, I don't disagree with yeah. you, but it's weird to call it a comeback album when they split in 95 and then this album came out in 98. Yeah. It's um, weird, isn't it? But basically, what happened is Jeremy Einig. It's E N I G K, I believe. And I've Enigged. never. Enigged. 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 Oh, fucking hell. Um, he. Um, well, found Jesus. Uh, yeah, okay. So he was also recording a solo album. Yes, uh, called Return of the Frog Queen, which is very good. Yes, and a lot of these songs apparently were intended for that solo album as well. Yes, doesn't surprise me. Uh, um, but it's also the first time he'd ever written anything on his own. So previously, Sunny Day Real Estate were a band whose albums were written collaboratively yeah 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 yeah. that makes sense and this isn't Mm. so much there was a very very different feel with this album and i think their last album the rising tide as well i don't know if you're familiar with that record yeah absolutely excellent record i mean i i personally don't think sony real estate have released a bad album i think they're all masterpieces um i suppose i've given you this because well, uh, it's uh, not only my favourite Sunnydale Real Estate album. I think it's one of the best albums ever written. I adore this record. Um, and I adore it because it's so 
Um, it, it is interesting that they were written for a solo record because unlike Diary and LP2, for example, there's very little distortion used mm. on this record. The manner in which it's so, it breathes this record um, almost in like a talk talk manner. Um, it's uh, it's all kind of clean guitars and um, uh, lots of um, reverb and so on and so forth and builds and swells. Mm. Um, and uh, they were a three piece at this point. I don't think, I think that's true. He played a bass a bit. Yeah, he played, he had to play bass for a bit of this, but they actually, right. so the bassist was, hold on, <coughs> let me get his name up. Is but Jeff Palmer mm. stepped in for Nate Mendel when they started to record it and then left almost immediately and he mm. was replaced by the late Joe Skyward. But other than that, it is the classic lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bass on this record is unbelievable. Uh, the bass actually is the sort of anchor of most of the songs. Most of what you would kind of consider the riffs mm. are played on bass. And then the guitars are just sort of doing gentle things over the top for the most part. If yeah. you kind of look at a song like Pillars or um, even Rose, Roses in Water, um, it's just this really bizarre, odd little song, uh, which has this weird falsetto throughout. It has this really weird, it's such a weird structure, song structure for a song pillars and water um it's kind of like chorus chorus outro that's like that's how the song goes um and i i love the manner in which this record sort of organically as it says organically breathes i think mm. it's a beautiful brilliantly composed and put together record i think Every song is a 10 out of 10 bar Days Were Golden, which I'd give a nine. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I I just adore it. And I remember buying it. I'd bought Diary and LP2 first. I was going to ask you when you first heard this, actually. Uh, it would have been around 2001, 2002, I reckon. So mm -hmm. got into you know, loved those first three Foo Fighters records and just kind of um, doing a bit more research and reading the liner notes of the of the albums. And you, you I think there's a, a mention of Sunnydale Real Estate in The Colour and the Shape, or, or maybe I just read it on a blog post or something. I don't know, but, but I discovered that two of the people on Colour and the Shape were in Sunnydale Real Estate, and that just made me want to check them out. So got Diary and LP2, which at that time were the only albums that were easy to get hold of. Um, How It Feels To Be Something On was just a fucking nightmare to get hold of. It was really, really, really difficult. Um, and then I eventually... To, to, to back you up on this just quickly, it, it was that difficult that it was stream. It was when downloading came in that I first heard this record. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember buying it probably on Amazon on import for a disgusting amount of money because I really loved Diary and LPT. I really loved them. And so um, to have an album come through, which, you know, no one really talked about, and then I love it even more than Diary and LPT, which I already had really cherished and taken to my heart, was such a shock and mm. such a surprise um and you know like this is around the age where like i was 
like falling in love for the first time and i put compilations together and songs from this every shining time you arrive has appeared on pretty much every compilation i've ever made for a girl um uh you know like this i i i I don't know what it is but i just think this album is utterly transcendental and beautiful i don't think there's another album that's quite like it hmm maybe i'm trying to think of something that does really i think so do you want to know what i think i'm a bit scared but go on okay so i like diary yeah not as much as lp2 i think it's good i think interesting no no i prefer diary oh i'm sorry okay i had diary and i was like this is fucking great yeah and then lp2 was harder to get hold of it took me a long time to get it yeah i like lp2 i thought it was really good but i was already like firmly like diary's great a lot of those bands, interestingly, I like Slip and I didn't care so much for Manic Compression back ah. in the day when, quicksand came, when I got Quicksand. A lot, you know, Texas and Reason got one album. I love that one <coughs> album. I found myself in a position where even Hot Water Music, like that we mentioned before, No Division I loved and then Flight in a Crash came out and I liked most of that. But after that sort of caution and stuff, and I was like, meh, you mm. know. There are a lot of those bands who, even though I really, really love that style of music, I only really love one album or maybe one or two albums. Yes. So get Up Kids, I think you could probably... Get Up Kids is yeah. a, the, the, an absolutely perfect... The definitive <laughs> like, example. Probably the definitive yeah. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Weezer as well. Uh, <laughs> I won't go that far, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I feel like there are these bands who I have kind of one of their albums and I go, this is brilliant and this is what I love. Yeah. Right. So, but... Um, when kind of downloading stuff came in, you could go, well, I can have everything now. So I'd yep. never bothered with this record before. Oh, right. Had you not heard it at all before I gave it to you? No, no, I had. I, I'd never bothered Apologies. with this record during the kind of not... So, and then, you know, fucking torrent sites and everything. And I had a, yep. a, a like 180 gig iPod and I downloaded every single album that I'd ever wanted. So suddenly it's like, hello, I can have The Misfits for free and I can have every Megadeth album. I can have every Led Zeppelin. Yep. I can have every... And I downloaded the entire Sony Their Real Estate back catalogue, right? Um, which up at that point, I don't think they had a new album out. So I think it was... Just the three albums. The, only, the two extra. And I, I listened to this and I have listened to it intermittently over the over a kind of I don't know, three or four year period post doing that. I can't remember the last time I listened to this record. Like I genuinely can't remember why I accepted it was not because I was like, Oh yeah, we can just wang on about how great it is and how great sunny day real estate are. It's because I genuinely was like, fuck, I, I couldn't even tell you what this sounds like anymore <coughs> mm-hmm. because if I ever do listen to sunny day real estate and to be honest, that isn't very often it's diary it's diary mm. yeah it is um you're making me so nervous uh, yeah and what i think is really really interesting going back to it what the, so before i get about how i feel about it oh, what i think about it is yeah. what an interesting fork in the road this album is absolutely because we are talking <clears throat> about what like five or six four years or three years between when out of driving comes out and suddenly emo is a thing right yep there is no, we've spoken about it before when we talk about Glassjaw, when we talk about Far, when we talk about, you know, whoever else. You know, Jimmy World normally nearly got dropped before Bleed American. Nearly got dropped from their record label. Uh, I think in, they did. They, they did, 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 they did get, get dropped, dropped from yeah, their yeah. record label. So when emo, they demoed that album, they were um, unsigned. Yeah. So emo um, was a thing that was 
about to explode. About to explode, but really had no home yes. in 1998. And I think... Which, very quickly, is actually one of the reasons why I think this record is so unique. Mm. But, yeah. Um, and you can kind of see why two of the guys from Foo Fighters in 1998 coming back with their original band and it's sounding like... If it had sounded like Diary, you go, well, you might have kind of Capitalized sped up on that, that. Yep. process a little yep. bit. Um, because you can see how, when you listen to Diary, you can understand why a mainstream audience would have been interested in yep. stuff like Texas Reason and Sensible yep. and Diary, yep. right? But with this, what you get is an album with much more introspection, mm-hmm. far less catchy parts. Absolutely. Um, kind of oddly, quietly discordant at yep. some points. Um, quietly discordant with song titles like The Shark's Own Private Fuck. Shark's Own Private Fuck. I was always like, that what sounds like something. Mm. What does that sound like? It sounds like another song from Diary. It sounds like Breaking the Girl by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> it does. I was, I was like, oh my God, it sounds like fucking Breaking the Girl. It's been bugging me for years. And yeah, I just realised yeah. what it is. Um, but when you talk about emo, uh, particularly at that period, Rights of Spring and, <laughs> you know, the, the kind of the, the, the influence of all that stuff. What you've got on this album, I was like, Jeff Buckley, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, Velvet Underground, Prog Rock, and I mean, the Roses in the Water, James Addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Love it. so this is an incredibly interesting record, and it's one that has taken me this long to appreciate. Ah! Yeah, it's fucking great. It it's is, really isn't great. it? Isn't it? And no one talks about it. And I don't know why. I, I think it's, yeah, it's brilliant. It, it, I think it's a masterpiece. And I think it really, I mean, I think it, it, everything you've just said is true. It's not immediate. It doesn't really have traditional hooks. It is really weird in lots of places. But it's so unlike anything that I've heard before or since. I just, it's, it's this little pocket of, it's this little 45 minute pocket that exists entirely on its own, mm. even within Sunnydale Real Estate's catalogue and and everything else i mean it's interesting going back to it the last few days i mean hey i've had a wonderful fucking time um and it's been quite a nice breather from like techmo but b i i I mentioned talk talk i mean Mm. do you do you like yeah yeah, the talk talk thing i totally see now sped up a little bit yeah talk talk sped up and like yeah absolutely but like i think yeah all of those all of those Oh, I'm so happy. All of those, all of those things that you just said, Beatles, Chains Addiction, like, yeah, it is all of those kind of things. And it just felt like Jeremy writing for himself. Yeah. And I think all of those elements just... You, you understand it was originally going to be a solo album. I get that. Totally yeah, you, get do, that. you do. You do. You do and, get that. And there's so little distortion on it. It occasionally mm. comes on like on guitar and video games. And the interesting thing, I mean, you mentioned it before as well, which I think we should probably talk about the fact that he was, he had kind of, he was a born again Christian at this point. Yeah. I come back as a born again Christian. And I think a lot of people sort of, I was reading reviews and reading interviews from around the time and stuff. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, you know, it's when they went. I don't think this album, I think this album is spiritually is spiritual rather than, yeah, yeah. but it's not yeah. explicitly dogmatic. Yeah. Yes. I think if you didn't know that he was a born again Christian, you wouldn't have a clue. You wouldn't know that people making out like, Oh, it's the religious album. No, is it's, it fuck? it's not at all. I mean, there's one song in it called the prophet, which yeah. has this like, kind of thing, yeah. which is awesome. The way it builds, it's fucking brilliant. But you know, the, 
it's not a overtly religious song. I don't think it is. No, not at all. Lots of people have had songs profit in. Like, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Prophets of rage. Yeah, oh, they must be a Christian true. band. Mm. Um, you know, and as I said, there is a song in it called "The Shark's Own Private Fuck," uh, which is not very religious um in any way shape or form so yeah people do kind of um say that this is the religious album but i just think that's nonsense it's definitely spiritual there is yeah, definitely spiritual. a spiritual yeah, sense to it undoubtedly serene than they yeah. were before yeah and it does and, and if you know that you go oh well maybe that's why that's played into that but in terms of it being like you know hello please can i get on your stereo and talk about jesus christ that is not what Absol- this album is. absolutely not, and and you're absolutely right. A lot of those reviews would have made out that that is what it was, mm. but it really wasn't. I, mean, I read, at all. I did read a couple. I think one of them might have, might have been on Pitchfork. Uh, my first mistake. Pitchfork really liked it, but they were like, "Oh, you know, it's really religious." And I was like, "Where?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where? You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you you could, I don't know, you could you could decide that every shining time you arrive is about. Jesus coming back from the dead, but yeah, it exactly. could also be a I mean, lovely you know, song about seeing your girlfriend again. Yeah, you can put <laughs> any kind of meaning into fucking anything, exactly. Like if if you want to, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, you could do it, but yes, um, I'm so happy you like this record. Yeah, it's really good, man. Do really, really good. I suppose you haven't. You probably haven't listened to Diary since, but do I you? Listen, do I have you, listened to Diary since. Actually, I listened to Diary. Funnily enough, I listened to Diary today. Lovely stuff. Am I crazy for saying this album's better than Diary? I think it is more... The uh, uh, thing is, I've had Diary since fucking 1997. Diary's wonderful, don't get me wrong. It's an incredible I record. think this album is... It's it's much more striking mm. to listen to back to back, particularly within the context of the confines. I mean, I started this whole show by going you know, the kings of emo throw their crown away. And I really do feel like that's what this is. Mm, I think mm, mm. It, it is odd that Sunny Day Real Estate could have kind of, you know, accelerated the growth of emo, but instead chose to go to, to basically back away from it and yeah. go, this has not got anything to do with us anymore. Yeah. Because even though it was a very, very kind of quite a small underground movement at, at the point this record came out, this has got basically got nothing to do with emo at all this record not really and i think you listen to diary and you go oh yeah it sounds a bit like all those bands i like and aren't these songs great you know whereas this when i'm talking about jeff buckley or the beatles and stuff that is not what you think of when you think of emo this is not jimmy eat world this is Mm. not you know this is not the the promise ring or Mm. you know burning airlines or something like that it's not um so it's a i I know you hate this term and i understand why but but this is their mature record isn't it you know yeah, yeah, I <laughs> I know, you hate yeah, that, but but yeah. but you know that that would be a simple way of saying it. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, is it better? I'm not sure. It probably is more of an achievement than Diary. Mm. Uh, anyway, next week, Renfrey, what are you going to give me? Um, I can't remember if I've oh, ever good. Oh, sorry, I thought it was it. <laughs> I can't remember. All right, see you next week, guys. <laughs> I can't remember if I've ever given you Clint Mansell's soundtrack. To no, the f- you haven't. To The Fountain. Oh, no, I've never heard that. Lovely stuff. Clint Mansell's The Fountain. I'm going to give you um, Roy Buchanan, Livestock. Ooh. From, I think my, actually, I think my girlfriend's arrived here, and it's a recommendation from her dad. You there, darling? <laughs> um, this is from 
this is Mr. Johnson's giving me this album to give to Renfrey. We good with that? Got a thumbs up. She's very happy about it. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, anyway, Livestock by Roy Buchanan and Clint Mansell's The Fountain soundtrack. That is going to be next week. And also next week, we're going to go now. Thanks to our friends at Musicism. Go to musicism.net. Next week, not only will we be doing that, finally, at last, three artists that have been gagging to be put in the same show together. Nick Cave, Lightning Bolt, and Baby Metal. Can you imagine the collab album? Yeah. It'd be amazing. I would listen to it. You would listen to it, yeah. Uh, maybe only once. But... Have to like scrub your soul clean <laughs> afterwards. Can you imagine Nick Cave working with Baby Metal? That'd be amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine Lightning so Bolt working yeah, I know. with Baby Metal? So excited about that. Lightning Bolt and Nick Cave seem fine. I think like Baby Metal are very much the outsiders. I think Lightning Bolt and Nick Cave can make a very interesting record. Yeah, they could. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's for next week. We will see you then to talk about that. Well, we're going to be fucking mad, in it? But anyway. Oh, it's great. Uh, Is there a new Nick Cave album? Yes. Cracking. Cracking. Yeah, happy with that. Yeah, new baby metal. Uh, <laughs>